Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Happy, happy Monday. We got to get some kind of synchronized, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it doesn't look as dorky as me, but we got to make that happen. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday, everyone. Sports take. Rob LSD Gun, Barrett Brooks, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Oh, man, fellas, what a weekend. What, what, a, what a really like four days. When you look back to where we were when we were doing the show on Thursday, and Derek and I down at uh, Ocean Casino Resort, but Barrett, we're – we're anticipating what the draft may look like. We're anticipating Eagles moves. We're looking ahead to the Sixers. At that point, we don't know if they're going to win game six. We don't know about Embiid's injury. There was a a big difference, you know, four days makes. And as we sit here right now, and we'll get into all of it, uh, certainly. And we'll be joined by Derek Bodner at 1230 to preview the Sixers in the Heat game one tonight. And then at 2 o'clock, Ruben Frag from NBC Sports Philadelphia. But, guys, we look back at all of this. And some, sometimes it's nice to have the dust settle a little bit and just sort of take it in for a minute what the Eagles ended up doing in this draft. And, uh, and Derek, I'll start with you on this one. Your overall sense now that you have a couple of days to sort of step away from it a little bit and look at what they did. Um, I, I, I want to start by saying I'm shocked at what how he did, but I'm not because he does this every year. Um, you know, for the fourth time in the last seven drafts, he found a way to move up. And while I thought they would address uh, the cornerback situation first, obviously we talked about how thin the cor- the premier cornerback situation was. And once the two uh, went off the board at the top, Sauce Gardner and Stingley, um, the Eagles shifted direction a little bit and they focused on strengthening the deep tackle spot. And man, they got a refrigerator on two legs, you know, because this dude, 6'6", 345, running a 4'7". You know, every year these linemen get bigger and faster. And then a few picks later, you know, he shocks the entire draft world by pulling off the trade to get A.J. Brown. So he addressed the offense and the defense. We debated what would they take receiver, would they take cornerback, D-lineman. You know, why take an unproven – I don't care how good these receivers are supposed to be. They're considered unproven commodities until they show what they can do in the National Football League. He goes out and makes a trade, gave up a lot of draft capital, but he gets a guy who's proven it over three years. And the thing I like most about it, the kid's only 24 years old. He's still the age of the receivers that are in-house for the Eagles. Um, He thinks like them. He understands them. He understands their lingo. You know, they can relate to him better because he's one of them. And he's going to be a mentor, if for nothing else, because let's face it, the bottom line is it's all about the money. And so these young guys, the, the Quez Watkins, the John Hightowers, hey, man, how can I make the money you make? Well, here's what I do. Here's my work ethic uh, and things like that. So I, I thought it was great. Then they get, you know, possibly the heir apparent to, to Lane Johnson. But to steal N'Kobe Dean and Rob, as you know, we talked about it on the draft show Thursday. Uh, Seth Joyner and I had a good debate. He liked the bigger linebacker. I said N'Kobe Dean was the only linebacker in the first draft I would consider taking. They get him in the third. But the fact that he dropped to the third, 
once again, somebody did that kid wrong, you know, to put that rumor out there like that. I mean, that's dirty pool. Agents do this all the time, you know, to, 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 to drop other players and hopefully move their clients up. It costs that young man millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. but, but there's a lot of confusion as well because 31 teams seem to be concerned about his medical is issue with the pec injury. But yet the Eagles said he's not scheduled for any surgery. They expect him to be at rookie camp. So somebody, somebody's lying somewhere. Right. You know, Nicobe said, I was never told that I needed surgery on that shoulder. He was never told. 31 other teams shot away from what was considered one of the top two, three linebackers in all the draft. He slips into the third round. Mm. Somebody, somebody's lying somewhere. And it's going to come out eventually. Either the Eagles are right or 31 other teams were right about this kid. Yeah, and we're, no doubt. And we're going to find out soon enough. All right, Barrett, let me, let me swing it over to you now. I, we, we come away from this draft. They didn't draft a corner. They didn't draft a safety. They didn't draft an edge rusher, yet we're all almost universally, you know, over the moon with this draft from the Eagles. How strange is that? I mean, it was a it was sort of a weird journey, but the end game where we got to is is pretty unbelievable when you look at it. No question. You know, um, I mean, how we, we said it all week. Uh, for the past, well, actually, we said it for the past month. How he's going to do Howie things, and because he went out there and and basically put the Eagles back on the top of the division from what he did in this draft, man, you got to applaud uh, his effort for doing that. Um, I'm still not going to say how is that uh, how he's out of the doghouse. I mean, you still have those drafts, you know, that he messed up that which which made us go the free agent route. But I mean, at least now we're in a position where we're going to be very, very competitive. You know, we got, we got five draft picks. That's a lot of draft capital that we let go with having Tintra. That's five picks we let go, but I like the direction he went. He stood steadfast in his, his, um, his mindset and, you know, the Eagles mindset of going in and, 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 you know, shoring up the trenches regardless of needs or wants, you know, he's going to get guys in the trenches, you know, first and foremost. I mean, at this point, I like what he's done. I like the direction this Eagles team is going in. Um, from 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 the vantage point of, of, of a, being a fan, to me, it's all on Jalen Hurts now. It's all on Jalen Hurts. Um, it, it, if, he, if he can play to the level which we think he can play, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go in the right direction. Yeah, and Derek, this draft wasn't without its risks. I mean, you know, Jordan Davis, the risk is – can he keep the weight where it needs to be? Can he be an effective pass rusher? You know, Jurgens was a bit of a luxury pick, if you will, looking to yep. the future, right? Then you look at the Kobe Dean. There's peck, there's knee, there's there. That's certainly more of an injury issue than it is, you know, anything else in terms of risk mm -hmm. size. But I, I'm not as worried about the size. I'm worried about, you know, can he just stay healthy? Yeah. So there's risk there. AJ Brown, you know, you gave up a, a decent amount and you signed him to a lot of money proven stud but has also had you know some mental health issues and and, and some mm -hmm. other things so this wasn't without risk Derek they 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 you know Howie is an aggressive guy and we know the organization is willing to do that at times have we seen it but there is that part of it well by taking a Jordan Davis pick it tells me that either Fletcher Cox and or Javon Hargrave are not going to be with this team beyond 2022 and you already have young Milton William Williams there 
So who better for Jordan Davis to learn the pro game under than the likes of two pro, pro bowlers uh, in front of him in that regard? Uh, when you refer to, you know, uh, Cameron Jurgens as a luxury pick, I look at it as a young man who's versatile enough. He will be competing for that right starting uh, right guard starting job. And I wouldn't be surprised if he walked into camp and won that right right guard position. And and as we you all know, you don't think he's strictly a center. You don't think he's strictly no, a center. No, okay, no, he can he can play guard. He can play guard or center. And I do believe that he can compete. You know, you look at Landon Dickerson walked into camp off a bum knee as a rookie. He's starting. You know, he started his first year. I think Jurgens could be a starting right guard. And then we'll make the transition. You know, we've we've heard for three consecutive years now that Kelsey is going to retire. Maybe this is maybe this is it. He's thirty four now. Maybe this is his swan song. You got a, a pro bowler. See, I, I love the, the two of the first three picks because these are young men that are going to learn from pro bowlers, not just average linemen, but from pro bowlers who've excelled at the highest level. So if, if, if Fletcher's gone or and Javon's gone, you've got Milton and Davis moving in. Davis played 38% of the snaps his last year of Georgia. I don't think he's going to play any more than that his first year. I think with an NFL nutritionist, NFL training staff, they can keep their weight down in the 330 range. I think he would be much more effective in that 330 range than 340. Does he have to work on his stamina? Yes, he does. And, of course, they'll get him up to speed. Um, the N'Kobe Dean issue, and I can't say this enough, is somebody's lying out there about this young man. So somebody somebody is not telling the truth, and, and we're going to find mm-hmm. out soon enough. A.J. Brown – you know, Rob, I had uh, Ray Dittinger on draft takes over the weekend, and he talked about, about how he didn't know if he should reveal the story, what he knew about A.J. Brown and the depression issue. And then he finally let it out with Barrett Brooks on their draft take show. And, um, you know, that's something to watch. And, you know, we don't we don't make light of mental health. I mean, we all know somebody who's gone through depression and anxiety. Um, a prime example, you know, one of the one of the more, most famous Philadelphia Eagles of all time, Brian Dawkins battles depression every day. Um, and he talks about how he's he's winning against depression and he speaks around the country and, uh, and social media platforms to a lot of people who ask him about overcoming depression and things like that. And, you know, you know what people go through, the highs, the emotional highs, the, the emotional lows of what that can do. And, um, you know, here's a guy, he played 13 games. He almost had a thousand yards last year. Um, so he's gotten the necessary help to get him through these things. And it's something you have to closely watch. But as we talked about prior to the draft, when it comes to mental health issues, who better than the Philadelphia Eagles to know how to combat this, having gone through this with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, Lane Johnson is um, still battling this. And I'm working on getting Lane Johnson on his show sometime this week to talk about the draft. And of course, how he's dealing with issues off the field as well. Um, but I thought Howie had a great haul. You gave up six draft picks for two players. And we we thought they needed an abundance of players to fill some gaps. But you got two premier players, one proven and one we think that's going to be good. So I have to give Howie his kudos for what he was able to do without disrupting his future draft picks. He didn't have to give up anything in the future to get what he got in this draft. Yeah, Barrett, you look at it and, you know, all you can do is deal with the on paper thing right now. Until they start playing, that's all we're dealing with, right? But you look at it and you step away from the weekend and I see a team that improved themselves vastly on the offensive end, adding A.J. Brown. And that is such a, 
it, it's hard to believe one guy can make that kind of difference, but I feel like that. Let, let, let's tackle that a little bit. And, and yeah, what Derek says about the depression issue is very real, and you just hope that he's in a good place. You really do. And I, but I do think the Eagles are a team that's that's dealt with it so much that I think that they can come from a place that could really help him along the way. How just talking about the field part of this thing. How 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 much of a dynamic game changer is he for them, bro? This, this see this is what I really want to talk about. You know, I mean, I understand the depression. The, the Eagles can they can handle that. They handled Lane Johnson. He left for three weeks. You know, what I'm saying the the team didn't miss a beat. They came back in. They were settled down. They understand how to deal with this. They dealt with it with Nelly. They dealt with it with Brandon Brooks. So Lane Johnson. So he'll come in. He'll be at home with this. He's just got to get through this first wave of questions, and then after that, I think people will forget about it. What you do on the field is gonna make you forget about it. But what he does on the field and what he can complement the rest of the players on the field is, is really what we need to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who's a number one receiver, a number one receiver. He was a number one receiver with Julio Jones being on the same team. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how old Julio Jones is, we're talking about one of the most prolific wide receivers that ever played a game. Brown was still the number one receiver on that Titans team. So what does he bring to the table? You have to account from him on a defensive side of the ball. So when you look at look at it from a defensive coordinator's perspective, you got to stop something. You got to, you know, you know, pick your poison. So you're going to say, all right, are we going to stop the run? We're going to put an extra guy inside the box and stop the run. Well, what does that do? That opens up everything on the outside with A.J. and Smith. Which one are you going to allocate other resources to? Are right, you going to stop the run? So that means you got to kind of – you know, push the push the coverage to somebody. So that means it's going to be a lot of one-on-one routes with Smith. And I'll take Smith all day against any receiver, I mean, any DB one-on-one. If you roll the coverage over to, over to, um, to Brown now, it's going to open up also the tight end position. So it's taking away, he's going to take away a lot of the coverage aspects that opens up for everybody else. See, it's going to be on, on, on Nick. Nick is going to have to design a way in which he can put um, the tight end, wide receiver, and everybody. And, and, oh, by the way, you give Miles Sanders the ball out in space. You give, you know, you, you, you give, um, you know, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, give him the ball out in space. When you've allocated all these resources to stopping the run and also uh, pulling the coverage over to Brown, he's going to demand that you account for where he is, which is going to open up everything. And, oh, by the way, if you say, all right, we're gonna send. We're gonna take that guy out the box. Now we can just run the ball. Now Jalen can use his athleticism to run the ball. It just opens up so many places in that in that defense that you can pick from when you have a bona fide number one. AJ Brown is a bona fide number one, and also the most more of his catches are on third down conversions than any other um, in, in any other uh, time he catches the ball. Mm-hmm. He moves the chains. The longer you can keep that offense on the field, the more explosive they can stay, the more yards you can get, the more scoring you can get, the better it gives Hurst an opportunity to throw more forgiving balls because yeah. he'll go get it. His size and strength will allow him to go get it. Yeah. So, man, it just opens up everything when you think of it from Brown, from a from a from an attacking defense type of a player. And he's going to have a four thirty press conference uh, today to meet with the media. He was uh, he, he landed today in, in Philadelphia. But the other thing I'm really going to be fascinated with, guys, we know last year that out of necessity, and I credit Nick Sirianni and the offense with this, they went to a running attack. It wasn't working early in the year trying to throw. We know that. 
So he switched over. He wasn't stubborn. He wasn't a Chip Kelly. He said, I'll do what I got to do to win. And he did it. Now, having this kind of weaponry, having another year under the belt of Jalen Hurts where you look for that improvement from him, this is going to be a much different looking offense, I think, than we saw last year. I'm really excited to see what this looks like because this is going to be more of the personality of what Nick Sirianni is, Gunner. Well, Jeffrey Lurie always wants a more of a passing identity to his offense. But Sirianni came out and said, we want to have balance. We want to have more balance. And obviously, the way Sirianni's offense is structured, if that offensive line can move the defensive fronts the way they did last year, it's going to, number one, take a lot more pressure off of Jalen Hurts. Number two, when they go to that play action, it's going to suck in those linebackers a little bit more. They should have a wide receiver open free somewhere on the field almost 75% of the time. You know, seventy at least 75% of the time. There should be a Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, whoever the case may be, Dallas Goddard, somebody should be open. Jalen Hurts can't miss on throws like he missed in 2021. He cannot miss. Now, every quarterback misses on a throw. But some of the throws he missed. I mean, he missed receivers by a country mile that was streaking down the field or wide open in space out in the flats. That cannot happen anymore. He has to show more of a poised presence. I agree with Barrett. There's more pressure on Jalen Hurts now than there was before the draft. But there's also more pressure on Nick Sirianni to make this offense click the way now he wants it to click. He said he wants balance. Okay, we're going to sit back and wait and see. He's not going to reveal a lot to us in OTAs, mini camps not even training camp, not even preseason games. We're not going to see the full arsenal of what Nick Sirianni wants until they hit the ground running and the bullets start flying for real come September. So it's as much on Nick Sirianni and that offensive staff as it is on Jalen Hurts now to make this thing home. Yeah, and look, there's no training wheels now with Jalen Hurts, right? And and it's not a knock on Jalen. It's just the way it is. Every quarterback in that league is under pressure. Every quarterback in that league – that has expectations, for, at least for most teams. This is a team that made the playoffs last year. He's now in his second full season as a starter. He's finally in an offense with an offensive coordinator and coach for the second straight year. At Alabama, right. it was a turnover every year with offensive coordinators when he was there. Then he transfers to Oklahoma. Then he gets here the first year, and it's Doug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Then mm-hmm. last year, it, it, there's a comfort level that he has now, he should be able to have, where we can just – we can push away all the other stuff where we talk about what he doesn't have around him. It's there now for Jalen Hurts. And that's well, a good yeah. thing. Let's reveal what this is. Right. And you're exactly right, Rob. Because, I mean, long story long, he now has to, you know, or get off the pot. Blanket get off the pot because. Ish. Ish. He, yes. He's going to have the full gamut of, 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 you know, whatever offense he wants to run. It's all predicated on his skill set and how. How much better a player did he get over this offseason? Now, evidently, you know, he, you know, we've seen in the past, he's gotten better every single year. He's went about his work and become a, a better quarterback every single year from, 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 from college now to the NFL. He's taken a progression. Now, from what I saw last year, I mean, I understand everybody said, all right, you know, he, he, he missed a lot of receivers. Well, hell, look what else he did. You know what I'm saying? He almost had a thousand yards rushing. I mean, he, he, he ran an offense which allowed him to go and get to the playoffs. He totally transformed a 2-5 a and five team into a playoff team. 
So everybody's talking about the negative. Let's talk about the positive, how he how he united that team and put that team in a better position to go out there and play at a higher level. Those are the things we're not talking enough. We're just talking about the bad things. Let's talk about the good things he did. We know that he's going to come back, and I think he's going to be a lot more polished than what we saw before, a lot more polished because that's been his mindset. That's been who he has been since we've known him to be in the league. Derek, let's talk about this part of it, which isn't the end-all, be-all, but I like it. He and Brown are very tight. Those two have been buddies for years now. It, it mm-hmm. feels like A.J. Brown's like 10 years older than him. They're a year apart, basically. Yep. Like they're, It's crazy, but those two have a really good relationship. They were FaceTiming each other the night of the draft when Brown was traded to the Eagles and both guys going crazy. You know, you know, there's going to be a lot of work away from the Novacare facility done this offseason with those two together. You know what? Uh, There's something to be said about a comfort zone with a person. Okay. And because of their relationship, um, that should translate into automatic chemistry. You know, he had the chemistry with Devonta, you know, um, when Devonta got here, and and it was quite obvious. Um, He has that chemistry with AJ Brown. You know, um, you know, Barrett said, you know, we, we talk about the bad things that, that a Jalen Hurts does. I wasn't referring to bad things. I was b- referring to the facts of what Jalen Hurts did not do. You know, it, it, yeah, it was bad because it didn't happen. But, I, you know, I, 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 look, at, I look at a Jalen Hurts, and, and I can't say it enough. Um, you talk about a young man with so much poise, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't get to him. You know, he's got that leather skin exterior, which you have to have in the National Football League. You look at Josh Allen in Buffalo his first year. He stunk when he was a full-time starter. But once Sean McDermott and that staff staff went out and got him some weapons and they tightened up that defense, all of a sudden Josh Allen now is mentioned as one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL now. And I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts can't do that, but it's a wait and see because of what we, you know, Bears right, you know, Jalen Hurts proved that he was a leader in, in 2021. The asterisk is you look at the latter half of their schedule, okay? And we would have been criticizing them more had they lost most of those games. Right. So I applaud Nick Sirianni. I applaud Jalen Hurts, the offense, the defense, for, for being able to put their throats, uh, put their foot on inferior opponents' throats, get it done, get that team to the playoffs, get some playoff experience with a bunch of young guys, and come back and enhance upon that. But we can't we can't talk enough about how is Jalen going to respond now that Howie has improved around. We knew they had the offensive line. We knew they had a young stable of running backs. We all said they needed to get another receiver. Howie, the miracle worker that he did, goes out and get one of the best wide receivers in the game today to complement one of the best young wide receivers in the game today with a couple of young receivers in Watkins and Hightower that are still up and coming that have a lot of room to grow with a proven tight end. What else do you want? What else do you want? Now, I hate to say this, but you look at a quarterback like Carson Wentz who left a bad situation in Philadelphia and went to a situation in Indianapolis where he had one of the best offensive lines, one of the best, oh, correct, the best running back in the league in 2021. Mm -hmm. Good pass catchers, Mm -hmm. good pass catchers, and flopped on his face to the point that the one guy who made him what he was in 2017 said, hey, you got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry, you got to go. And Carson Wentz has a wealth of experience. So as hyped as we are about Jalen, I got to pump the brakes and say, wait and see. Let's wait and see. 
Yeah, well, we, look, we don't know. We don't know. The, there's no doubt, Derek. We we are in in wait and see mode. But the one thing I, I want to I continue to try to emphasize about the draft, Barrett, is you can't fix everything overnight. Okay, yeah, there lies it there. That's it right there. Yeah, I mean, you went into this with a lot of holes, and you weren't going to be oh, able to goodness, stop yeah. gap everyone. Oh, you could have sat there yeah. and drafted for need and take it a corner, take it a safety, guys who weren't anywhere near on your board in terms right, of value, right. and done that. And we would all be saying, "Well, they got a corner. They got to say no." They did, I thought, a really good combo of best available, player they had rated highest, and getting need as well, not completely covering everything. You know, we understand that they didn't draft necessarily, you know, corner safety, you know, whatever. They ended up going after guys who were undrafted and, and paid them crazy money, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, not everything's going to be fixed overnight, man. It looks like Tyron Matthews going to the, to the Saints. Yeah, is the way that with the Saints, yeah. He's yeah, is the way that's shaking out. So, yeah. You're going to have to go other methods or trust the guys that you have in house. But I, you know, I see people reacting saying, "Well, they didn't get this. They didn't. Well, they didn't, they couldn't fix all of this." Exactly. Well, me, you can't get everything. Yeah, exactly. And 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 uh, when I look at it, you know, I I yesterday I don't I'm, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, man. But uh, I went back and I watched the the Dallas game. Oh, and I'm I watched Zach. <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment, man. Right, right. He, he walked right into that one. Oh my God, man! Yikes! But I watched Zach McPherson. Okay, and I watched him one on one against, uh, you know, one of they, the they premier... played their starters for basically three quarters. Of that three, that's what I'm saying. Three quarters. So three yeah, quarters. Right. Him and CD Lamb were going at it, and I like what I saw. Okay, mm-hmm. I like what I saw. So if I saw, if I like what I saw. I can see this this Eagles, you know, defense going with a Zach McPherson as the starting corner. Hmm. Now he's going to get oh. his balls of bruises. Oh, he's going to get his yeah. balls. But see, everybody's saying that because he didn't become a starter. Well, that's because right, right. Nelson was better than he was. Right, man. Right. You're supposed to take your 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 draft picks from the years and and, and implement them into the offense. They yes. have to become a part of the offense. You know what I'm saying? And I look at a guy like uh, you know I, I look at Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps was suitable. For a major part of the season, he played. I thought pretty pretty well at that third um, safety. Well, they they like him a lot. Howie yeah. was very effusive uh, in his praise of Marcus Epps. So. Absolutely, and I mean, and and they have Kayvon Wallace, mm-hmm. who he was hurt the majority of the season, but when he was in there, he was very serviceable. Mm-hmm. So I could still see them not going at the free agency and spending a bunch and, and, and getting a bunch of players because I really think they like what they see in-house. Mm. I really well, do believe that. We have a question for John, I, for Derek. Yeah. What were D-Gun's what? top five items at the buffet on Thursday night? <laughs> oh, oh, I can tell you right now. The crab legs. <laughs> what? The muscles. Oh, yeah, the crab. Oh, oh, we didn't tell you about this, Barrett? Oh, Gunner oh, went yeah. to town, man. He went to town, oh, but, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, Rob. You got your share, too, now. Hold up. But, Barrett. Uh, the crab legs, uh, the mussels, the uh, the shrimp, uh, the boiled shrimp. Let's see the corn on the cob, uh-huh. uh, the boiled potatoes, and I had a couple of chicken tenders as well. See, you know what? Y'all, y'all wrong permitted. for that. You know, you know what I had? Yeah, what? I, went, I went to Wawa, and I went to the Wawa down by the stadium, and of course, and of course, I went in to get a salad. You know, one of those salads, the after four o'clock salad. You know yeah, that you can yeah. get on there that has the. Uh, the um, chicken Caesar salad that they put the little protein the, on the, there. The, the, yeah, protein. You put the chicken in there, uh-huh. and you can get the noodles and the penne noodles in it. Of course, there was no penne noodles uh-huh. in the Wawa, 
And of course, there was no um, uh, grilled chicken breast. I have a batter so calling out that the the, 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 the specific uh, Wawa right there. Well, but this is this is the bad part. They only serve it after four o'clock. Yeah. Well, damn it, it was only five thirty. So you ran out of that in an hour and a half. Man, Come on, man. Wait, you, wait, wait. You had to buy your own food. Uh, yeah, I had to buy you, my you had, Derek. You gonna do me like you that? You had bro? to buy your own food. No, yeah, I'm just asking you. No, you. Hey, I don't know. It's not like it food. used to be. Remember, it used hey. to be they used to have uh, they used to have chicken hey. pizza. Ain't no more chicken you know pizza now. Yeah. When I'll Derek left, you. that left Barrett. You, you know that, right? You, 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 you working for the wrong company, bro? That's all I can tell you. <laughs> no, I'm working for That's this company. Hold on, and then hold on, hold on. This is the worst part right here. Xander, Xander, text me. Uh, our producer, uh, Xander Krause. I, yeah, I, I guess I gotta drop your two cases of uh. Of, of, of you know of, of stateside stateside yeah I'm like come on man you gonna oh, do me man. like that too man Rough. you gonna really do me like that hey hey, hey hey Bear Brooks not to add insult to injury but you know at one point in the latter part of our draft for almost four hour draft special on Thursday night we had the head chef on um we had him on and he was talking about dude they had milkshake he brought out oh. milkshakes that had donuts milkshake. on the top of them milkshake donuts and on cookies. the top of them. Yeah, and cookies. Okay, so before he left, so hey, Zander, before he got off the I think it's about time for us to go to break, Xander. I think no, it's wait, about wait, it actually is. No, it actually is. To go to no, break. No, no, forget that, man. I gotta get this in yeah. real quick. All right. All right so so before, he, before he got off the set, we said uh, he said the kitchen is closing. I said, hey man, can you hook us up? He said, what do you guys want? So when we got off the show, they had this big long rectangle table set up for me, Rob, uh, Seth, Mike, Quick, Devin, Caney. Uh, the producers, and I asked them for an order. Dude, there was a big bowl sitting there for me with crab legs hanging off the side. Rob had the chili. Seth got the um, uh, pulled pork. Mike Quick had this incredible salad with seafood on it and stuff. Bruh, Dude. I, didn't get home. I didn't get home until 1 o'clock. I was so hungry, my backbone was talking to my neck bone. That's how hungry I was, man. <laughs> All right, let's do this. On that, so Barrett doesn't collapse of you know of hunger pains. Let's get a timeout. Maybe grab some grub real quick. We come back. I'm looking forward to this, man. We got game one, Heat, Sixers, round two tonight. No Joel, no Kyle Lowry. We'll talk to the man himself who does a phenomenal job with Sixers coverage, Derek Bodner. You are watching Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Block's Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Block's Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Back on this Monday. Thanks for streaming. Hey, by the way, I, I got it. My daily reminder: smash that like button for the show. We'll get uh, more of our content out there to the folks. So uh, tell a friend, smash that like button. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Joining us now does an excellent job and has for a very long time covering the Sixers. You can follow him on there Twitter at Derek Bodner. NBA, the one and only Derek Bonner. Derek, let everybody know where they can consume all the content that you put out there from uh, Sixer land. Yeah, I mean, easiest way is, is to start at least is on Twitter at Derek Bonner NBA, like you said. Uh, and then the I'm writing at dailysix.com, uh, which is a subscription-based newsletter. Um, kind of like catering towards a little bit more of a diehard fan that wants to get a nitty-gritty of collective bargaining agreement, statistical analysis, video breakdown, stuff like that. Derek, I'll ask. I'll start with this. We'll get into Embiid in a second. Being out, at least we know for for games one and two. But had Embiid played, had he been in the lineup, had the, nothing happened on Thursday to him that you know further than the than the thumb. Yeah. Did you think the Sixers had a chance to win this series, or did you like the Heat in this one, even if Embiid was healthy? No, I was going to pick, especially if Embiid being healthy meant uh, before mm. the thumb injury. I was going to pick the Sixers mm. probably in six. Oh, uh, wow. That doesn't mean a hundred percent. Like that could mean a. 55, 60% chance of winning, but I thought they would be able to pull that through. Uh, the thumb injury changed it a little bit and made it pretty close to a toss-up in my in my my mind, um, but now being out two games and just the uncertainty, the uncertainty of what he's going to look like because he doesn't exactly like playing with that mask on his face, the mm-hmm. uncertainty of what he's going to look be able to do with his thumb, um, all that uncertainty, I would right now I would pick the, the Heat and Six. Mm. Hey, Derek, the, the, the one thing I have to ask you is when it comes to Embiid, they're up by 29 points with under five minutes yeah. to go in the game. Yep. Why was Embiid even on the floor? Why? Because coaches are paranoid. That's the only real explanation I could have. Uh, and when you think about it logically, you know, they're up 29 with four minutes left. 
Toronto didn't have enough possessions to score 29 points. Even if the Sixers didn't make a shot, even if the Sixers didn't make a foul shot, Toronto was just not scoring 29 points in four minutes. You would have loved them to see them come out at around the six-minute mark when they were still up 25. I sort of get why coaches don't, just because almost no coach would take their stars out with six minutes left in a game. And this was a very fluke, rare occurrence, but it Mm -hmm. definitely, like, he did not need to be in there, that's for sure. Well, Derek, I, I'm going to tell you the truth, man, as, as a player and understanding how players think at times, I don't know if he could have taken um, and beat out, you know, and that, and that we got to think about that also. I mean, he would have been like, nah, uh-uh. you know, we've lost game tight games before. Uh, I want to go ahead and get this over with and uh, finish playing this game out. Just like you said, it's a freak injury. And, um, you know, but, you know, as they do go forward, you know, he might be out one or two games. I think this is the, this is a, a proving point for this for this um for the 76ers team see who steps up you know this this is Tyreek Maxey's time this is this is Harris's time this is a time where others see who they are and where they fit in and there's also an audition for you know the other teams and also uh you know this team that they're playing on you know what are they going to do I mean Green does he want us to keep playing after this this is where they can audition for other teams also yeah, and look, I mean, even obviously somebody like James Harden has a lot of pressure on him. He has a lot to gain because he has that potential contract coming up. But even someone like, you know, Tobias Harris, who I think really impressed a lot of people with the way he defended Pascal Siakam in the last series. Now he has a chance to go up against a guy that, um, you know, the Sixers basically chose him over in Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's not at 100% because of his knee, but he has a, he's going to be tasked with guarding a really good player on the other side who there's a pretty direct connection to. You know, I think he's going to – I think Tobias is going to show up pretty big defensively. Wait, Derek, go ahead. I was just going to say you could go right down the list of Tyrese Maxey too. Uh, it's almost unfair what they're going to ask of him at just 21 years old. But if there's someone who's going to help them, you know, steal a game while Embiid's out, Tyrese Maxey having a huge monster performance could certainly do that. Yeah, there, look, there's no doubt. Derek, before I, I delve a little bit more into the matchups here, I, I do just want to ask you about Embiid because there's been words like star cross thrown out there and, and stuff like that when it comes to him. It feels like the only year, and correct me if I'm wrong, where he went in really healthy to the playoffs was the bubble year, and they got smoked in that, and people can't even remember that because of everything yeah. that was going on in their life. Um, is this just what it is with him? I mean, there, there are just so many when he's on the floor. There's so much greatness, but there's always, it seems like, something else, too, with Joel. Yeah, well, he went in healthy last year, too. I think he got injured uh, with the knee, the, like the fourth game of the first round. So he's mm-hmm. gone actually gone into the playoffs healthy like three years running. He's just had fluke. And I, I can't say that this is something that's always going to happen because this is such like the thumb. He got his thumb caught on someone's jersey. Mm, this yeah, one, he got yeah. an elbow, which really he can't control at all. He right. got an elbow from right. Pascal. Yeah, not blaming. I'm not blaming him, mind you. Just just there's always something it feels like. If it was something, if it was like his knee keeping him from playing or his yeah. back or his foot where he started his career, then I would say, you know what? I'm not sure this guy's ever going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so fluky. I can't I can't really hold any of this against them, and I don't know what translates going forward either. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, Derek, go ahead. Hey, Derek, when you look at wait, Derek, Derek. Okay, I got to get my a lot, Derek of Derek's, a lot of Derek. <laughs> by the way, by the way, one of the more prominent names in the existence of humanity. <laughs> Let's make it about you. All about you. Right, no, right, no, right, no. Right. I'm making it about no, him. no. Forget no, Derek. It's, about him. it's all no, about you. It's about okay. Now, now, Derek, when you when you look at this matchup, what intrigues you most about this particular matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think from Miami's perspective, Bam Adebayo, I think, is fascinating. Uh, the way they run so much of their offense through him as a facilitator um, in a high pick and roll or in dribble handoffs, the way they run multiple players off of screens on the perimeter mm-hmm. to get them open, 
the way they rely on Adebayo for decision making and playmaking at a position you don't normally see. Um, like they do, they will do a lot of stuff. You'll see stuff that looks like reminiscent of the two man game that Embiid used to play with JJ Redick in the past. You'll see stuff that looks reminiscent of, you know, sort of like a short roll where Adebayo will get it on the move and then make decisions and almost run the offense from a, a, a rolling big man perspective. He is a very unique player on both ends of the court and how mm. the Sixers respond to that, I think is going to be one of the keys of the series. And then it's just, you know, can the Sixers, you know, I thought one thing the Sixers did after they realized Toronto wasn't going to make a perimeter shot pretty much the entire series, they started aggressively doubling off of them in game six. Well, Miami's one of, if not the best perimeter shooting teams in the league, how will the Sixers yep. contain all of that without being able to help off very many of Miami's perimeter shooters? Um, this is not a very good defensive team for the Sixers. Uh, that's putting it mildly. Um, it'll be real interesting to see how they respond because this is a, you know, Miami's not a great offensive team, but they have a pretty good diversity of options. And the Sixers, it's going to be tough for the Sixers to hide some of their weaker defenders in this one. Well, I'm going to ask you this. Um, you know, you're talking about hiding um, defenders. What about on the offensive end? You know, um, you know, does, does who's going to be the big man? You know, is it, is it Paul Reed? Is Niang going to take a shot at it? I mean, who do you yeah. say is, 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 will have to be, get the, you know, the, the, the lion's share of the reps at the, at the five position? Yeah, I mean, my view is DeAndre Jordan can't play basketball anymore. Certainly not at this level. <laughs> That's so what I, I think, wanted to hear. How do, you, how do you really feel, Jack? I think you almost have to start Paul Reed and hope. The problem with Paul Reed, we just talked about it with how unique Miami is in playing Bam Adebayo and running so much for their offense through him. Yeah. Well, they're going to put pull Paul Reed away from the basket and force him into a lot of quick decision-making. And he already has a problem with fouling. He already has a problem with being a little bit over-aggressive. And Adebayo is smart enough and has enough in his bag that if you do that, he's going to really, you know, Miami's going to kill you on backdoor cuts, on kicks to the corner. Uh, that's going to be a real tough matchup for him. So I think this is a tough, physically, I think Paul Reed is pretty well equipped to match Bam Adebayo. But mentally, I think Adebayo is just so far ahead. It's a, it's mm. a tough spot for Paul Reed to be in because he's, you know, in his second year, barely played meaningful NBA basketball. Right. Uh, and this is a, a tough matchup for that, for sure. Um, but after Paul Reed, I would go small. You know, that means George Niang and yeah. Tobias Harris is your power forward and center. Sort of take, um, you know, take Bam Adebayo, who doesn't really want to post up all that much, and say, look, we'll give you a mismatch. But we're going to try to take away what you do well. Go, go, go in the post. We know that's not really what you want to do. Maybe he succeeds. He's a very good player but I would rather take Miami out of what they want to do than give them what they can do well. And that's if you play DeAndre Jordan, you're playing into their hands. Derek, yeah. one of the things Doc said was, we're going to run this through James Harden. No surprise. I mean, I, I think we all sort of anticipated that with Embiid not there. I guess my question for you is he looked great in game six, and I thought he was I thought he was a nice facilitator uh, you know, early in that Toronto series. But for, more often than not, we haven't seen the same guy, the Houston Harden, if you will. Does he have that gear to be able to be the get on my back guys? Let's go. Yeah, I don't know that he does, but I still think he can be a significant factor in this series. I think if you ask, especially against this team, because again, one of the things that Bam Adebayo does is he's real good switching. So they can take that, you know, let's say Harden, um, Paul Reed pick and roll. They can switch that and they're 100% fine living with that. So I think it's going to be tough, especially before Embiid comes back for Harden to just you know, send him out on an isolation and ask him to create offense like he could at, during his Houston days. I don't think he's capable of doing that right now. Where I think he can, I, 
you know, I think what you got to do, Miami, for as good of a defensive team as they are, they will have one or two players on the court almost at all times who can be hunted defensively, whether that's Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, whoever it is. I think they have to run a lot of hardened, um, you know, sort of like small, small pick and rolls, hardened maxi pick and rolls, try to get maxi isolated on a weak defender and just let him blow by. Him. There was a game, I think it was March 21st, where the Sixers attacked Tyler Hero specifically, and they scored 30 points on 21 shots, all on who Tyler Hero was guarding. Oof. And a lot mm. of that came from Tyrese Maxey, who's just too quick for him. So I think if you're looking for somebody to really ramp up their scoring, I think it might be Tyrese Maxey. Again, that's a tough ask for a 21-year-old second-year player. But from Harden's perspective, what I think he can really impact is with his passing. If they do trap the pick and roll, you know, to kick it around, uh, kick it to the weak side corner, get his teammates open shots, and also then opportunistically hunt on occasion. But I don't expect him to you know i think he scored 30 points once so far with the sixers i think part of that is because he has a lot of help around him but i think part of that is because a lot of that burst just hasn't been there uh, i would not want to ramp up his individual scoring too much uh, i would spread it around with maxi as well hey uh, derek while we're on the subject of james Harden, based on what we've seen of him in the playoffs so far are you comfortable moving forward with this organization giving him a max contract Oh, I was never going to be comfortable with that. Uh, that's okay. one, going to be one of the most terrifying contracts in NBA history. The question <laughs> becomes whether or not you sort of just give it to him because you hope that the next year or two is worth it and you're willing to live with two or three years of just disaster on the back end to contend for a championship or whether how much he actually moves the needle in contending for a championship in his 33 and 34-year-old seasons. And I think we still have to watch this play out a little bit. You know, I do think part of his problem right now is related to the hamstring. I don't think it's just aging. You know, I mm -hmm. think if you go back and you watch his Brooklyn season, the moment, be you know, before he injured that hamstring in the first round last year and after, he was two completely different players. And I don't think he's ever gotten back to that point. I think he spent a lot of his previous offseason, um, you know, rehabilitating that hamstring and, and didn't really get back into working on the basketball aspect of it right up until training camp. I think given another offseason, he could be better. I don't think he'll ever get back to what he was, but I think he could be better. Um, but I'm very, very concerned uh, with what that will look like. And it just seems to me, Derek, there's such a, I'll say it, obsession with Daryl Morey and him that no matter how this played out, because of what he gave up, because of the previous relationship, <clears throat> because of all the other factors, he even tweeted out, I think after Thursday, a, a dunk by Harden. He loves the guy. It just seems like no matter what, he was coming back here. Yeah, no, he, he certainly does love Harden. Um, you know, the question is whether or not he loves him enough to be the only GM in the league to offer him a max extension or whether or not he might play hardball with Harden a little bit and get him to come down off of that max. And Harden, you know, sometimes star players at the tail end aren't necessarily realistic. And even if they can't get a max, especially not a five-year max, because six will be the only team that can offer him that. Even if they can't get that from another team, they'll take less from another team Rather than the you know the disgrace quote unquote uh, of not getting it from uh, from their holding team, so it'll be interesting how it all plays out. Uh, I hope Daryl can negotiate him down to either shorter years or shorter per per year amounts because I think that is going to be a very bad contract, almost regardless of how he plays mm -hmm. the rest of the way. Well, let me ask you this: you know, um, you know, getting back to the game and and how it's going to be played, um, do you see uh, do you see them being able to keep up with the pace? I mean. Of course, you know, Harden wants to play more of a, a slow down game. But I really think Tyrese Maxey and those guys need to get out and run a little bit, you know, just so it doesn't um, slow the game down so much that they can't be defense, you know. Maybe have, a, you know, 
the Shake Milton spotting up, you know, a little more spot up basketball as opposed to, uh, you know, pick and roll and things of that nature. You know, what 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 would be the best as far as pace that you could see this team running with against this this Heat team? Yeah, I certainly think in the first half of the series they will have more pace than when Joel comes back. Um, you know, because when Joel comes back, they're obviously going to run a lot more through the post. That takes some time to develop. You know, I do think Miami is a pretty good pretty good at forcing turnovers. So I think that will push the pace almost by itself. Uh, but I think the Sixers need to as well and need to get up out there in the uh, out in transition because in the half court, Miami is a very very good defensive team, especially mm-hmm. when they don't have to worry about a dominant post up center uh, like Embiid. Uh, they just have a lot of big, strong defenders. Now, some of that might not be as much as we think because, you know, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are both coming back from injuries. Kyle Lowry out the first game, Jimmy Butler hampered by the knee injury. So maybe they will have more attackable defenders than we expect. But yeah, getting some easy easy points is always going to be important, especially when you're the shorthanded team. Hey, you were talking about the 76ers playing small ball. But I look at what Miami did in that first-round series against Atlanta. They had eight players that averaged 28 minutes or more in that series against Atlanta, and and six of those players were six foot five or shorter. Yep. How are they so successful with what they do when they're playing against much bigger opponents? I, I mean, a lot of the, well, uh, a lot of those players are shorter. On in terms of height, but they're pretty yep. stocky too. Yep. Like Kyle Lowry's a shorter guy, Tucker's yeah. a shorter guy, Butler isn't you know six eight six nine, but they're all yeah. strong physical guys. And a lot of time in today's NBA, especially with you know Atlanta, they're not um, you know a lot of their scores aren't exactly tall people either. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about really contesting those shots as much. So I think they're they're not a a height tall team, but they're a pretty strong stocky team. Mm. And certainly defensively, they play that way for sure. Mm. Derek, how big is it that Lowry's out? You know, we're focused on Embiid naturally, of course. But for them, with Lowry not being there, I know they're kind of accustomed to it from the regular season in this last series. But how big is that loss for them? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 big. Kyle was a big addition for them. They are a deeper team than the Sixers. So they're a- better able to withstand uh, a loss in part because they're a deeper team and in part because it's tougher to replace Embiid than it is Lowry. But, you know, they've had Gabe Vincent, somebody who torched the Sixers earlier in the season. I think he had 28 in one game and maybe 21 in another. Uh, so they've been starting him in the last two games without Lowry. He's been a st- spot starter throughout the end of the regular season. He has stepped up and become a, a pretty useful player. So I think they have some depth to help overcome that. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy in Lowry who's had so much playoff experience, such a good two-way player, um, so few weaknesses in his game. Then yeah, it's a, it's a loss for sure. I don't think Miami gets enough notoriety for their defensive prowess. You know, you, you look at this team, they were in the top five in the league in categories like opponent field goal percentage, opponent three-point shooting, and forcing turnovers. You know, and when I watch them play, you talk about a team that just swarms, helps and swarms. I think they do. I know Boston, everybody talks about Boston being the best defensive team in the league, but I don't think Miami's too far off from, from a Boston team. Yeah, no, they're they're real good. And what you just mentioned there, they both swarm and they don't really get burned by it either. No. You know, they're a team who Toronto was a similar team in that they will swarm and really help off the perimeter to try to wreck havoc um, and force turnovers. But Toronto sells out a little bit more because they know they have to, and also yeah. because they know they had just incredible length and athleticism on the perimeter. Miami's a little more disciplined in how they help. Mm-hmm. If you look at them, they are, I think, they give up the third most threes in the league. 
but I think teams shoot the lowest percentage against them or something of that sort. And they just, they're really smart about helping off of non-shooters and being stuck to the guys they need to remain stuck to. Mm. And they're just, you combine the way they're coached and their scheme and their personnel. And they're certainly one of the, you know, five best defensive teams in the league. Mm. Again, I don't know if that's going to be the case with Butler injured and Lowry out. But they are certainly, and they have one of the most versatile big men in the league defending as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're a very. I mean, that, that's the the you know strength of their team. That's a, the building point, building block they start off from. Mm. Hey, Derek, Derek, give me your overall assessment in the time that he's been here of Doc Rivers and the job that he's done, and the way he's kind of handled things when he's quite. We know he's very prickly at times. If you, if his perceived you know questions <laughs> that are beneath him and whatnot. <laughs> What's your sense of Doc Rivers? I think he's done a reasonable job i don't think he's done you know i think last year if you take out last year's Hawks series i would say he's done a pretty good job last year's Hawks series i thought was a real disappointment including from him and some of the way he's handled i mean we could say about the way he's handled ben simmons i'm not sure there was really a right way to handle ben simmons i think how that's sort of broken down has shown that but certainly when you have the way that the Hawks series ended the way that the simmons tenure ended that is a a big part of his resume. You know, I do think in the regular season, by and large, he constructs a system that fits his players pretty well. And I think both seasons, you could argue that they overachieved. I don't think they're necessarily the most talented team in the league last year, but they got the, or in the East last year, but they got the one seed. And this year, given the fact that, you know, they really had to rely on a second year Tyrese Maxey for two thirds of the season before James Harden got there to be their, their second best player. I think regular season wise, he has a good scheme to get the most out of his talent. The question is, can he, um, you know, can he adjust in the playoffs when you get in these chess matches? Last year, I thought he did a bad job. This year against Toronto, I thought he actually did a pretty good job. I think he outcoached Nick Nurse for the most part, uh, and we will see what he does now with Spo. So, in terms of regular season, I would give him a good mark. Playoffs, still incomplete, but huge disappointment last year. And handling, uh, handling being questioned is is certainly bad. Mm. <laughs> All right, last one. You brought the name up, and I know from reading you, from what, you know, seeing your tweets, that you know you were pleased that you didn't have to discuss the Ben Simmons stuff anymore once he was traded. So where I'm going with this is, what does his future hold here? I mean, do you see him coming back and playing long-term? Is it in Brooklyn? How do you think this plays yeah. out for him career-wise? I mean, look, I think there's a real mental block right now. Um, you know, I think a lot of people dismissed whether there was anything mental going on. And I think there very clearly is. Mm. I have no idea, nor am I qualified, whether that's just something from a fear of failure to a, um, you know, real anxiety thing. I don't, I don't know, but I think there's something to come back from. And do I think he plays again? Yes. Because as much as people think that he doesn't care about basketball, I don't go that far because I just, for the simple fact that I don't see people dedicate themselves defensively or to getting in shape if they don't care about the sport at all. So I give him credit for that. I think there's a real psychological thing he's got to overcome in terms of scoring in the half court. I think that's only become more pronounced by the decisions he made. You know, I think coming back at this time next year, or not this time, but at the beginning of season next year is going to be even tougher than it was coming back at the beginning of season this year. I think he's made it tougher and tougher and tougher for himself each step of the way. But I think he does want to play basketball again. And certainly there's a financial reason why I think he will come back. Um, So yeah, I think he will come back, but I think, you know, this is a guy who probably needed to take care of some, some stuff uh, in terms of fear of failure before he got to the NBA. He pushed it off l- as long as he could, and now he's having to confront it when it's probably reached its, a- its apex. 
um, I think it's going to be tough for him for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Let me ask you about the other series in the East. We saw, I was surprised. I thought Boston would take game one at their place. Milwaukee really outplayed them in that game and it just did a swarming job defensively, et cetera. How do you see that series shake? Yeah. Derek, there it is. There it is. He's excited. Of course. Uh, How do you see that series shaking out? And we're going to disappoint Derek Gunn, which we hope. Go ahead. Yeah. Look, coming into the series, I would have picked. I would have. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would have picked Milwaukee in that series. Um, But I agree with you. I, they struggled way more than I would have expected. You know, Boston is a team that for half of the year just couldn't score to save their lives. And then they turned everything on and they are without question, the best defensive team in the league. Mm-hmm. But that is a, you know, Giannis is a really tough matchup for him. And as for as good as they are, he's just got a physicality to him that is tough to compete against. And Milwaukee did such a good job of closing out the paint in the in game one. And Boston is still, even with their improvement, very streaky uh, from the perimeter. Yeah, right now I'd probably make Milwaukee the favorites. You know, I think that series could still go either way. Yep. And I think Boston certainly has a strong chance. I'm, I'm very much a big believer in Boston's defense yeah. and the way that they can clamp down. Now, I do worry a little bit if they're not making their perimeter shots, Milwaukee's going to be a real tough team for them. So right now, I'd probably make Milwaukee the favorites, but I think there's a lot to play out yet. That's the key. Stop, yeah, you, you just can't stop Giannis, man. He's he's playing at a, mm. a, a, a unworldly type of level right now. You can't stop yeah. when he drops to the hole. No. But Derek, but Derek's right, and, and I said that last night to some friends. I said if Boston can't hit their perimeter shots, they're done. As good as they are on defense, you still got to put the biscuit in the basket. And Milwaukee extended them, and Milwaukee play, you know, played that helping defense, and it frustrated Boston to the point. You look at the shooting percentage in that game yesterday. That wasn't Boston. Boston was the best team to me in the NBA in the second half of the season in the East. You know when they got on that roll, um, Boston was 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 hell to deal with. You know, yeah. and Milwaukee basically beat them at their own game. They extended them a little bit further than Boston wanted to. Jason Tatum, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn until the second half. Yep. And if they can, if they can D up Jason Tatum and, and force Boston to miss those shots, lights out, baby, lights mm-hmm. out. Yep. Well, well said. All right, Derek. Last one for me. We go back to the Sixer series here. Any chance that Miami? I know it's a playoff game. Another coast by Spolstra, and they have a lot of veterans. All right, with all those you know qualifiers. Any chance they take this thing lightly tonight simply because Embiid's not there and the Sixers can sneak one tonight? Eight and a half point underdogs, by the way. I wouldn't expect them to take it lightly, but I think there there's a chance that there could be a little bit of feeling out period where they try to figure out their identity, which isn't something you expect. Both teams could be trying to figure out their identity, which isn't something you expect this deep into the season. you know. But with Kyle Lowry out and with Jimmy Butler not at 100% and having missed a game there towards the tail end, you know, they might not 100% know what they want to rely on uh, to get their offense. Uh, so I think there's a chance that they could come out flat. I don't think it'll be effort or focus. Just I think there's more uncertainty in a game like this than you would almost ever see in the second round. It's, a, it's you know, injuries have certainly taken their hold on the NBA playoffs. It is very much a survival of the fittest and the last man standing. Uh, and I think that will, you know, whichever team can navigate that the best here, um, there's a chance the other one could come out pretty flat. No question about it. All right, so uh, tell everybody, check him out on Twitter, at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Bodner, NBA. Derek, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. We're looking forward to the series and, and talking to you again soon, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, yeah, you got thank it. You, bro. There. All right, guys, so when we come back, right, and we'll, we'll touch more on the Sixers uh, a little bit later as well, but we have some some of the reaction to, to some of our folks from over the weekend, uh, from Ray Didinger. 
talking about Derek, you brought it up a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, some of the yeah. mental hurdles and, and mental health stuff that, that AJ Brown's had to deal with. So yeah. we'll play some of those cuts for you and just kind of react and dig a little bit deeper to what the Eagles did over the weekend as well. So don't, don't go anywhere. Barrett Brooks, Derek Gunn, I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take Jacob Media YouTube Network. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on acting. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. You all right, Derek? What's the matter? Man, we got people in our chat section talking about they miss White Castle. Yes! <laughs> yes! I mean, seriously, why would you do that to your insides? Man? I mean, seriously. Bro, I mean, bro. I, 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 come on, man. This I, is, I actually drove up. I drove up. I drove up to White Castle yesterday. What? Yeah, and got me got me a... a, a, a um, AC? A you drove to back. AC? For, no. From your place? No, I drove to um, White Castle. There's no White Castle in AC. 
Where, where, where's the White Castle? Where are they? Jersey? I thought that's where they were. You got to go up. You got to go up um, off exit seven. No, yeah, yeah, exit six. Was it exit six or exit seven? I forget what exit it was, but I got off there. You go down like exit seven. And going, on, going down like you're going towards the shore. Mm. And it's the uh, second exit off. Parkway? You go Parkway? No, 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 no. I take the um, I take Jersey uh, Turnpike. Turnpike. Okay. Get off of it's, still, it's still open. They haven't closed up the franchise yet. Bro, they, they should be opening more. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, I got me a big a big one of the suitcases. You know, a, a snack kit, a snack, a snack box, man. You said a suitcase. <laughs> it's made like a suitcase, man. Well, how many burgers are in it? Twenty. So you bought 20. you bought twenty burgers. Yeah, but I, it ends up being ten because you double them up. I, thought, means, I bought that. I bought that, and then I bought um, I bought four surfing turf. That means surfing. double. That means that means double the volcanic eruption in your stomach, bro. Oh, right. Okay. And then, but then I bought four of the surfing turf. That's when you take a double, two double cheeseburgers, yeah, and add a piece of fish on it. That's what they do, and they add fish on it, Wait. a fish uh, patty on it, also. What what kind of fish they put in there, bro? It's like cod or something. It's it's delicious. It's delicious. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. This will probably oh, upset you, Gunner. Man. So I went what? to California over the summer. Okay. All I had heard about was In-N-Out Burger. Yes. People straight up obsessed with In-N-Out Burger, right? I, I love them. All right, so we're in yeah. – yeah, so we're in, Barrett, we're in Santa Monica, what? right? I'm like, we got to get to Venice because that, that's, I think, where the nearest one was, which isn't far. It's, you know, right near. So we go to Venice, right? The the lot the, the 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 drive through was insane. I'm like, forget this. We pull up. I'm like, give me what you guys want, and I'll run in there. Right, I'll run in there and get it. Inside, it's crazy too. By the way. So anyway, long story short, we get it. Right, I get it's me, my wife, my two kids. We all get our orders, and we're like, let's wait till we get back to the hotel to eat it. Let's just let's just soak in the the aroma in the car just to <laughs> tease ourselves to make ourselves that much harder. We get home. I mean, back to the hotel, and we're all like starved, right? We sit down. It was the most disgusting. <laughs> the, the first of all, the burger was gross. It was like a hockey puck that was like burned on the edges, <laughs> and, like curled up. The roll was uh, stale. No, the fries no. were not cooked and disgusting. It was the worst no. burger experience, and I love burgers of my life. It. Stunk. Let me let me tell you something. I go to In and Out to San Diego all the time when I'm out there. I have never had a bad In and Out burger. If you what, if what you're saying is true, I don't I don't want to hear nothing. You have to say you eat White Castle. I don't want to hear nothing. No, you, see, you, you can't just, tell me about nothing, man. Do you not see the the, the stream? The Crave Case. They man, know what I'm talking about, man. The crave Case, man. Come on, man. Bro, I, mean, I got drafted to the NFL off eating Chinese food from St. Louis and, and White Castle. I was I was so I was so disappointed, Derek. I was so bummed out. I was so looking forward to it. Really? I was like, I can't believe I couldn't. None of us ate it. We took like two bites. The fries were like shoestrings. Like they were like uncooked, disgusting. Like they're just they didn't take them out of the freezer and stuff them in there. Wow, it was gross. Rob, even if you'd have ate it right when you had it when it was piping hot. It still would have been the same yeah, way. Yeah, I no, couldn't believe no. how bad it was. Those are the ones in San Diego because I love. I always get the doubles with the grilled yeah. with the grilled onions on it. And yes. you're right, the, the French fries are, are thin, but when it, you know the ones, I don't know what they're doing up in the LA area, but I know the one in San Diego. You know they cook them. I like my fries crispy. You know, some people right. like them, you know, brown but like softer. I don't like. It's like eating, you know, mashed potatoes. I don't like know. them soggy. That's I like, gross. I like a crispy French. Yeah, I'm fry, with you. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, and they, they do it perfect. I've never all the years I've been going to In and Out Burger, 
of in San Diego. Never had a bad burger, man. I, can't, I couldn't believe it, man. Barry, I, had, you I, had, yeah. I had a bad one in um, L.A. Okay. I had a bad one in L.A. and I had a bad one in uh, Arizona. Um, yeah. They have really? their Vegas, too, I think, yeah. And, and, and I was in Arizona, and we're doing a um, – it's me and I'm with, with Millen, Matt McMillan, and we're doing a, um Arizona game. Wow. We're doing, actually, we're doing Arizona-Oregon um, game. Hmm. And – I go, I say, all right, so I get off the plane and he's already he's already there watching film. Um, you know, so I say, all right, well, I'm about to pick something up from um in and out. You know, what do you want? So he tells me what he wants. He gets he wants three double uh three triple cheeseburgers. So all right, and Hello, two fries. Uh, I get him. Uh, I get two triple cheeseburgers and an order of fries. So I, you know, wait till I get there. I get there like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes after, you know, I, I pick the food up. I sit down. And I took three bites of them. Like, you know what? This is just average. I thought I was going to have the experience of a lifetime. Yes. I finished one of the burgers off. I said, you know what? I'm not even going to eat this other one. Miller looks over at me. You don't want that, do you? <laughs> and he ate my burger, too. He there ate you four, go. four triple cheeseburgers. I, I said, you ate them because they're good? He said, no, I ate them because I was hungry. See? <laughs> See, you know what I mean? See, Barrett, you know what? Barrett, I'm gonna I'm I'm tell you something. You know, yeah, and yes, uh, where's what's his name? Uh, he asked me, he goes, D Gun gets it with the animal sauce. Oh, yes, I get it with the animal sauce. Yes, on the burgers. Yes, mm-hmm. they have the animal sauce. I, I, I'll say this Barrett is an excellent cook. You know, oh. I've, had, I've had a little bit of Barrett's cuisine. You know, Barrett's an excellent cook, cooks every day. Um, you know, but I have no respect for him when it comes to burger joints because. You know, when we made that drive to Minneapolis and we get there, we're tired, we're hungry. And we also, I think we we're in St. Paul before we actually got to Minneapolis. We were in St. Paul. <laughs> he wants to stop at White Castle. So I get a White Castle just to see if it reminded. Now I'll say this. When I was a teenager, me and friends, we would drive from Milwaukee to Chicago because because they didn't have any White Castles in Milwaukee, which, you know, goes to show you that Milwaukee is a lot smarter than Chicago. That's another story. But we would drive an hour and a half to Chicago sometimes at night. And load up because back then the White Castle burgers were twenty five cents. Oh, you know? right. So oh, you could do some damage there. there. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We go down there and load up on them. But then mm-hmm. as I got older, I realized, and I'm poisoning my system. I'm sorry, White Castle. <laughs> I don't mean to put you. I'm man, good thing they're not a sponsor, man. And nor will I apologize. they. Be. I apologize, White Castle. But then, you know, yeah. as, as much as I give Barrett props for being a great cook, he stopped well, talking about White Castle, man. It, no, actually, no, I, I, no. For my for my birthday, uh, the wife got me a. Um, the new grill, this new grill, man. It's, it's, I mean, it's oh, nice, yeah, you nice. said it's a picture. That's a bad boy. Man. Oh, so you know, look at it. I um, I get the grill yesterday. I mean, I, I oh, put the grill God. together last night, and I put them in. I put them in like twelve o'clock, and uh, I mean, I do. I threw so much stuff on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, so much stuff, man. I threw. I threw it in like maybe, um, it, it was probably uh, it was probably I had a chicken, I had a big chicken, two a four pound chicken. chicken. Four pound chicken, two slabs of baby backs, uh, uh, a lamb, a piece of lamb, and um, and a piece of beef brisket. Mm. And I just put too much on the on the grill at one time. So like four hours, I'm like, man, this thing ain't getting done. So I called Derek. <laughs> I had to get some instructions on it. You know what I'm saying? He 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 told me exactly what was going on, what was wrong, and what I needed to do. Doctor Gun to the rescue. I followed the directions. It became uh, amazing. So I got to give him that. I had to give him that. That's awesome. Ruh, ruh, re, he had like six chunks of thick meat on a space probably about this wide. I asked him, and you know, it's hard to tell from a picture. I said, Barrett, is that box as small as I think it is? He goes, yeah, it's not that much room in there. I said, what's your temperature at? He said, 200. 
And he said, it's been on for like four or five hours. I said, at that temperature with that amount of meat on there, you're going to be cooking until Monday morning. <laughs> I said, what you need to do, you need to crank that heat up, crank the heat up. He has a pellet grill. Uh-huh. You know, for people out there, yeah, they know grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pellet grill. I said, you need to crank the heat up to a little bit over 300. I promise you, if you crank it up, all meats will be, as long as you have your meat thermometer so you can test the lamb, you know, uh, yeah. the brisket. Because usually when you do, for those who are connoisseurs of brisket, when we cook when we when we smoke briskets, it's almost like a fifteen hour process to do it right. That long? Oh yeah, because you smoke it for X amount of hours, then you wrap it. You use apple See, I do all that. You know, See, I yeah, and then so you I wrap my brisket didn't get done until you were right. My brisket didn't get done until like nine thirty. See, Man. yeah, because it's such a thick, condensed piece of meat. Okay, you have to cook. You have to cook brisket a lot. See, Rob, you need to write these notes standard. down, man. I, I, I'm telling Rob, you, Xander, right? I send it to you, Xander. Put put it on for us, real fast. Good, Rob, thing, Rob. good thing I go back to our Jacob Media YouTube Network channel and watch the show again. I'm taking. Yeah. All, I'm going to write all this down, like everybody Rob, should. Rob, your I'll wife you, will Rob. love you. Your wife will love you, Rob. If you once you enhance your grilling expertise, you're going to go out and get a green egg or a pellet grill. I promise you. You know, but 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 I told Barry, I said. No, nah, bro, this ain't gonna work. No, no, no. And, and got me going good. in the right direction. Seasoning looked good on the meat, but it would still look raw. I said, Barry, I said, first of all, do you have a meat thermometer? Yes. Temperature 200. Yeah. Uh, jack that temperature up, dude. I said, you got to expedite the process because people want to eat, man. All right. So, how'd it turn out? It turned out amazing. See? Everybody loved See? it. I mean, See? loved it, man. I mean, I, I'm great at following directions. I did exactly what he told me to do. And uh, it, it, where I couldn't have been more happy with it. Man. See, I'm looking. I'm looking at this guy D train. It says a secret of good ribs: pull the membrane off the back to the ribs uh, when you prep them. And, no, you don't. You know, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up with, in a family man that was rib experts. What I do is I'll take a knife and I poke holes in that membrane, eat down each rib, and what it does is it allows the smoke and the heat to to cook the meat properly. And when the meat's cooked. That membrane dries up anyway on there, but it's like a protector, so so you're not burning the meat on one side. I never take that membrane off. I just pick, make little slits down each one of the. Bro- hey, we're we're a sports cooking show here. See, Jeez. people think all we know is sports. We are well rounded individuals here. Man, oh man! All right, well that was a good good cooking segment right there. Hey, hey by the way, go. Barrett, I want uh, I want you to be able to get a little touch for your your new show. You got a new show coming up, debuting tonight at six o'clock on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Tell us a little about it, man. Right, it's, it's, it's going to be. I'm I'm hosting the show. Um, it, it's it's just you know it's an Eagles show. It's an Eagles show. We're going to talk Eagles. We're going to go into a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? I mean a little bit. You you name it. We're going to talk about it. It's called Birds Huddle, and um, I'm going to be hosting. Uh, we'll have other hosts on there. You know, uh, Danny Paul Mills. You know, just whoever. But we're just going. We're going to get. NBC Sports back to doing football shows again. Mm. And I've been screaming and yelling and everything else just to try to get a, a, another linear show, another TV show on NBC so we can get back into the fold of breaking down the Eagles, breaking down the NFL, everything, college football, you name it, on this show. All right. So every night at 6, Monday through Monday Friday. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. All right. You know, love it. You, love you didn't it. have to threaten anybody, did you? Because I know when you get angry, bro, you get you get like the Incredible Hulk. There you go, man. No, everything <laughs> I'm just like saying. everything I'm just saying, bro. Was, no, everything everything was actually what it was. You know why I was mad, man. You seen all of like, put it like this. Hey, now you guys tell me how you would feel about this. Now this is what six years ago. Six years yeah. ago, yeah. me and Derek and a bunch of us were doing a draft show, and in the draft show, we're gonna be on air from what was it? Uh oh. What was it? Six? Was it six? 
We were we were supposed to log on at six. We were six until the end of the draft in the first round. No, so, no, no, no. It's from like we started at eight. Okay, eight o'clock. Yeah. So eight, eight, eight to six. So we were told it was going to be food. And here we go. And it's fifteen. <laughs> it's 20, 15, 20 minutes. All roads lead about. back to food. Yeah, yeah, we were we were told that we were going to get food. So it's like 15, 20 minutes before the food gets there, and I ask, well, where's the food at? <laughs> and I just I just blew a fuse. He said, oh, well, the lady was supposed to get the food. Um, she didn't order the food, and she's off today. Mm. I said, I have it. been hungry since early this morning. I, on purpose, didn't bring food because you guys said we we're going to have food. Long story long, I popped off. I went off, and... and <laughs> He said he's still laughing. You know, he got me in trouble. He got me in trouble. Because then he says, How did I get you in trouble? So boss You got says, yourself in trouble. Boss says, it's not funny. He said, Oh, yes, it is. And start oh, laughing. It was funny. More. Oh, it was funny. Oh. It wasn't funny, man. Barrett had, pe- Barrett had people afraid of people oh. were easing away from their desk, Rob. Uh-huh. Like, like uh, I'll be back. Uh see you. Know, you know? Yeah. So if you I'll tell me something, if I tell you, if I tell you I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. All right. Right. All right. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> All right, so I, I did want to. Uh, we mentioned before we stepped aside, um, you know, just the weekend coverage that we had. We were at Ocean on Thursday uh, and Friday, by the way, and then Derek, you, you of course were all weekend after the picks, etc. Yeah. So really, kudos to the entire crew. Uh, first off, but a lot of great stuff. So I would suggest if you missed any of it, you go back to our our YouTube channel, Jacob Media YouTube Network and check it all out. But draft takes. Yeah. Yeah, draft takes. Let's give the folks a couple samples of, of some of the stuff that that we did. And I know Derek, this was really interesting. Um and, and Xander, I'll need the the Ray Didinger on uh AJ Brown and some of his, you know, the mental health issues struggles. I, I want to let people hear this guys uh and then we'll react to it and and you know, what level of concern you may have in, in making this trade, et cetera. So here you go. Yeah, I knew the whole A.J. Brown story. Uh, and uh, I was I was aware, I don't know how many of the people in Philadelphia or in our audience were aware of what the kid went through last year, um, yeah. the emotional issues he went through, um, the severe depression, um, the, the open conversation about uh, having suicidal thoughts, I mean, all of this stuff, I knew all about all of this. I also knew the football part of it, but I also knew uh, where he was last year uh, and what he was going through emotionally. And so when Barrett and I came on to announce the thing, Barrett, of course, was very enthusiastic about the Eagles getting a big-time playmaker. And I'm going through my mind, how much of this other stuff do I really want to get into right now? Um, And I wasn't very comfortable with it because I really didn't know. I saw his press conference when he talked about what he was going through, and it was pretty intense. Uh, And I didn't know where he was today in relation to that. So when Barrett threw it over to me and said, what do you think about the trade? I said, I I have my concerns about this. I didn't want to get into exactly why, but I just kind of put it out there that I understand why people are excited, but there's a lot more here than people understand. And but I didn't want to get into it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so. You know, let me put it in perspective. Yeah. Go ahead, Barry. You were there. I, I made, they make the trade. I tell Ray, you know, I'm in, I'm in my, you know, in my, in my cubicle, in my studio where I'm, I'm, you know, we're about to log on and we're going to, we're going to do a little hit on digital about the trade and talking about it. So I, I'm, I'm, I yell, I say, Hey, Ray, 
They just traded for AJ Brown. Let's go. Let's go. So I'm happy. We log on. And then I said, uh, all right, you know, hey, you know, they trade the 18th pick. They get a quality receiver in AJ Brown. The rumors are this, 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 and that. We know I'm happy about it and everything. And then I said, Ray, what are you thinking about? I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, dogs wagging his tail. Ray, what do you think about it? He said, um, um, uh, I'm I'm kind of concerned. I'm like, damn, Ray, you just blew my high. Mm. I mean, I'm thinking this, you know, wow. this is a great, this is a great signing for us. And he gave me the I I don't know if I'm 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 really good with this trade. Mm. So I don't know what to do now. So we go through it, we talk about it, and you know, saying work it all out. But he knew that and I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the uh the mental uh issue, health issues that he was, you know, that he had back in 2020. I knew nothing about it. Uh, look, I, I would imagine that they have had enough conversations and and did their due diligence on this. I mean, look, this was uh I think contingent upon a couple things, but one of them was getting the contract done, but it was also contingent upon kind of where he was. And I also do feel good about what's in place here with the Eagles having gone through this with players, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, whether it was Lane Johnson or Brandon Brooks or, or people we don't even know about, right? They're the ones that we know. There could have been plenty behind the scenes. I think if there's an organization equipped to try to help, uh, you know, and, and again, uh, you just want him to be okay. That's all you, th- this really comes down to. That's all a, it comes yeah, down. If there's an organization to help him and assist him, if he, if he's having a, a you know, any kind of issues, rough patch, whatever, I think it is the Eagles. So, I mean, if they feel satisfied that he's on the right path or handling this, you know, on the day to day, then then you got to put your faith in it and just just believe in what they're doing. I, that's kind of where I'm at with it with it with AJ. It, it's, uh, a deli- also- it's a deli- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bear. No, I'm just go ahead. I'm I'm I'm, I'm good with it. It's a, it's a it's a very delicate situation um, because. Um, even when you think an individual who's dealing with depression is doing well, they mask a lot of what they, they go through. Um, a lot of times when, when people are going through bouts of depression, they're very emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to feel, uh, they don't want to be around other people. They feel like they're at the bottom of the world. Um, you know, and, and there are other people that put on a good facade in terms of dealing with it. When basically there's that inner struggle, the demon and inner struggle that they're going through. And unfortunately, some people come to the end result of where they end up ending their lives uh, because of depression. You know, we've seen how many, you know, prominent entertainers, um, politicians, just prominent people in our society who just checked out completely. Um, and, And just because they feel good one day doesn't mean they have beaten the issue. It just means that for that particular moment in time, they've been able to control it. Um, And and we're going to get Brian Dawkins on here because Brian Dawkins has talked about it on a number of platforms about how he overcame. You know, I mean, Brian Dawkins early in his career contemplated suicide. And he was a guy who was a young married guy with small children. He was on the top of the world, a second round draft pick. He was thrust into a starting role early in his career. People love him. I mean, just think about, you know, people love Brian Dawkins from the time he stepped on that football field as a Philadelphia Eagles. Um, He was considered what Philadelphia is all about, being a warrior, roll up your sleeves and go to work, you know, blue collar, blue collar player. You know, he didn't, he didn't take shortcuts to get to where he was. 
You know, Brian Dawkins had everything. He had the money. He had the fame. Beautiful family. And yet, you know, he was a man who contemplated suicide in his life, you know, when he was dealing with depression. Um, it's no joke, man. It, right. It's no joke. And so when Ray, when, when Ray told me that story, I'm thinking, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a guy 24 years old on top of the world. And you think he's got everything conquered. He's had tremendous amount of success in just three years as a National Football League player. He just got a hundred million dollar contract from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, he's still got his entire career in front of him to do more incredible things as an athlete and to make even more money. But there's that dark side that's constantly tugging at you, man, tugging at you physically, mentally, spiritually. That is the biggest battle anybody going through de depression will fight in their lives. Now, many people win because there's so much help out there that you can get nowadays. But some people just aren't able to overcome it. So it's a situation you got to watch closely. Right. You look at Lane Johnson's situation, it, it was it was magnified that he left the team for three weeks. That wasn't the only time that Lane Johnson left the team. Right. That's the only the time that you know about. You know, and, and, and it's tough, man. It, it's a if a it's a tough road to hoe. You just have to surround yourself with a lot of good people. Right. You know, and this Eagles organization is perfect to embrace a situation like AJ Brown. Because they've gone through it several times before, as Barrett talked about, three players uh, before A.J. Brown got here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so let, let's stay on that for a minute here. Not the, you know, the the mental health issue part of it, but what uh, A.J. Brown's impact could mean. Xander, the, the cut that I'm going to need is is Zach Berman on what this trade could mean for Jalen Rager. Because uh, that, that's an area I want to kind of dive into here uh, with this in general and, and just kind of where – you know, the chips may fall here for a guy right. who just two years ago was a first round pick for this team. And now you look at it, you know, really from a pecking order standpoint, and you could flip these either way you want. You go Devontae Smith, you go AJ Brown, uh, uh, yeah, AJ Brown, you go in all likelihood, Quez Watkins, yep. you go Zach Pascal. I mean, that's essentially your, I would think your first four. Now you're getting into a real borderline territory here. Do do we have that, Xander? The uh, the Zach Berman cut on uh, when he, when he joined Derek on what this means for Jalen Rager. So that that's the one we are. Uh, I, I'd like to. Uh, all right, we don't have that right now. Anyway, so Derek, give me give me the gist of what he he ended up saying. Well, basically, he's talking about how this this puts uh, Jalen Rager on the watch. You know, Jalen Rager came here as a high profile. You know, number one pick has not lived up to expectation. He had a serious sit down meeting basically with the Eagles front office this offseason. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know what, we're going to give you every chance possible to turn this thing around. But, you know, in so many words, uh, you're riding on borrowed time right now. You know, you've got to get your act together. And now that they've brought in A.J. Brown, uh, Jalen Rager is going to have to decide, is he going to be foot or horseback in so right. many ways? Are you just going to continue? And I don't want to say he's going through the motions. I'm not going to put that on him because he's not. You know, but you have not lived up to what we thought you could be. And because he's constantly magnified to the receiver that was taken behind him, now the pressure increases significantly on a Jalen Rager. You know, you can't just make this team as a special teams player. Special teams players are a dime a dozen. You know, and a lot of teams now are using frontline players to play special teams. So those guys that are filling out a 53-man roster, they're basically week to week. You know, because right. you got guys in the practice squad that if they play better than you, they could have your job. 
So you've got to do something special if you want to stay here because we can get somebody a lot cheaper to fulfill your role as a special teams player. Yeah, Barrett, I've been of the mindset that he's going to be here. There's cap implications. You know, it also just doesn't look good organizationally to run the guy out after after two years. But there are a lot of people that believe he won't be on this roster. At some point, he'll be traded for something. What is your sense here? Uh, that'd be the only way that he does go is if they trade him. Um, no matter how bad he plays, they're going to keep him on the roster if they can't trade him. I mean, they're just they're just not going to accept that with him being a first round draft pick. Um, him leaving like that, you know, because how he invested a lot of time and 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 uh, you know a lot of assets in him, he he virtually forced the head coach to play him, even though the head coach didn't have any skin in the game with this player. He was forced to make him play, forced to try to implement him into the offense. I remember, the, you know, the, the Detroit game where they tried every, by every means necessary to try to get him the ball with jet sweeps, reverses, punt uh, returns. Punt re- I mean, everything, you know, he ends up getting hurt anyways going in, uh, you know, but they've given him an opportunity. He's had out. He's been given the, given the ball. He just hasn't done anything with it. I mean, not even on special teams has he done anything with it. I thought that would have been what he would have excelled at because that's what he was when he was at uh, TCU. I thought he was one of the, you know, I can remember doing breaking out a story on him and I, uh, doing a breakdown on him where I said, this is the other guy in the Big 12, you know, C.D. Lamb being the number one guy. And then I said, Jalen Rager's the number two guy. But, you know, I still didn't have him ranked higher than the third grade. Um, I mean, a third um, round pick. And we picked him up in the first round. He has the capability. He has the body. He has the explosiveness. It's all there. The tools are there. Mm-hmm. He just does not know how to use them yet. And does will he ever figure that out? I hope he does. I mean, I I like the kid. You know, what I'm saying like I played with his pops. Me and his pops got drafted the same year. Mm-hmm. Me and Monty are real good friends. It just hasn't came to fruition right now. And this is a very unforgiving league. It's what have you done for me lately? If you haven't done anything for me lately, then why do they keep you around? Well, because you were a first-round pick. But after right. a while, you know, with no allegiance to to this coaching staff, finally, you know, I mean, the, the tire's going to have to meet the road. You're going to have to, you know, put up a shut-up. Well, and also, he hasn't helped himself. I, right. I mean, you know, he, he showed up here rookie year out of shape. He was out of shape for the combine. You know, yep. what? this is a two-way street, man. Where Where's his level of commitment? You know, and, and I get it. I from all reports, he's working hard this offseason. And all, okay, that's mm-hmm. great. I, and I hope he gets it turned around for him and for the team if he's here. But it's not like he's not he's blameless in this thing. He he didn't do his part either, especially early taking this thing serious enough. I, I see mm. him. I, I see him going to the going into this year with a little more added pressure. No doubt. So, you know, it's, it's not just the pressure of, all right, look at these guys that they've brought in. But I also think Hertz is going to be a little more demanding because mm-hmm. his job's on the line. Right. He's going to he's gonna get a different Hertz than he had the past couple that, of years. Barrett, that's a great mm-hmm. point. I think it's going to be interesting. He's he, Look, Jalen Hurts is very much a leader, right? Yep. Yeah, there's no mm-hmm. doubt. But I do wonder if he gets more mm-hmm. – in guys' grills sometimes, or you know, a little bit more on the sideline, which we've seen, you know, with the Brady's and you know, take your pick, you yep. know, kind of players. I do wonder about that. That's going to be really, really interesting. All right, we'll come back. We'll keep talking. We, we didn't get a ton into Nicobe Dean and just what he can do when he's on the field for this team and some of the money the Eagles throw around at undrafted free agents. Ooh. I mean, 
they were not afraid to spend here, which makes you think the, the, the Mario, you know, good riches of the world have a real good shot, not only to make this team, but potentially get some time. So we'll discuss that when we get back as well. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, I'm Rob Ellis. You are watching Sports Take, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on can Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Sports Take Monday. Welcome back, everybody. Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, D. Gunn, Jacob Media YouTube Network. Smash that like button. Tell a friend. That's for sure. All right, guys, let's keep going. And at 2 o'clock, Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to join us. But we talked about N'Kobe Dean and the risk, you know, with the peck and, and the knee, et cetera. But, you know, the opportunity that's there for him to get on the field right away and contribute to the team. This is a guy who was not, not good, but great. 
yes. at Georgia. Okay, dominant at Georgia on on a defense that was filled with talented players and a defense that was that's right there in any discussion in terms of the best ever. They were that good, and he was the leader of that group. I, I heard, in fact, I heard Jordan Davis today. He was on the uh, the WIP morning show, and they call him the general. And they and he said he is the ultimate leader. He said he's the smartest guy in any room that he walks into. He said he's a he's an engineer, you know, major. Like this guy has got it, you know. In addition to to the football skills, so and, and he's a frat brother too, just so you know. I mean, oh, there's that. I mean, forget <laughs> it. He's going to be an all pro. No, but <laughs> you know, when you look at just from from a dominance ability and what this guy brought to the table on the field as the the Butkus Award winner in college football, man. This is a big time player they just got. Yeah, it is. You know, he's 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 a special player because he brings so much to the table as far as his ability to read and react, diagnose plays, be the leader in the middle of that defense. I I, I can't say it enough um, that the Eagles got a first round talent that could be, you know, he could be. So, it was so hard playing against a guy like a Ray Lewis hmm. or a Sam Mills. Or, or or Ken Harvey or somebody you pass one. You see somebody that you got a line across on him, and you know you have to account for him. Yep. Because he's good enough to go make a play. This defense for the past 10 years has been one that they didn't have a middle linebacker that you had to account for. Because he was so explosive, you know, you have to account for him. So when you look at you know the way this defense was constructed before. You didn't have to worry about, all right, we got to get up to that linebacker. We got to get up to that Mike linebacker. We could double-team Fletcher. We could double-team the defensive line. We could send protection over to, uh, to, 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 to Brandon Graham. You could block this defense by, you know, making sure that you keep those front four guys from creating havoc. Well, now you have to count for him. It's not like trying to double-team to get to a Ray Lewis, and he's gone already, going to make a play mm-hmm. three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And there lies the problem when you have a guy that's special like that. And I really think this kid is special enough to be that type of player. You know, I'm not saying he's going to come out early and not saying he's going to be at the level of Ray Lewis. But the same traits you see in this kid, you see the same traits that you see in Luke Keekley, same traits you see in, like I said, Ray Lewis, Sam Mills. And you talk about his size, Sam Mills, was about this tall. That's right. That's he right. And he planted his his helmet in my chest. Oh, I still remember. Him. <laughs> I'm, you know, my stern steel feels. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He was a great player who understood how to play the game. Quick, explosive. You can't block him. He gets away <clears> the block. He sheds the blocks. He gets to the play before it develops. That's the type of player we got in the third round. Derek, does he get on the field right away? Do you think will he be a starter come week one? If he is healthy, you can't keep him off the field. And that's a, not a knock against T.J. Edwards or whoever else uh, they have in the fold. He's just that special of a player. Every time I've watched him play, the thing that amazes me most about him for a player of his size is he it's like he welcomes contact, but he's too quick for you to get a good to, to get a good shot on him. He has great bend. Because he's so small, he can get up under these big guards and tackles. You know, he he hits the gap lightning fast. Sideline to sideline, he's as fast as anybody in a front seven you could ask for. I compare him to the likes of, uh, uh, you know, Eric Kendricks, Devin White, Devin Bush, 
These are all smallish linebackers who have played at such a high level in the National Football League. And when you put him in the middle, you know, Kazir White over here, you know, Hassan Reddick over here. TJ Edwards, all of a sudden you got dude, a little bit of depth there. Dude, yeah. let me let me tell you something. You know, that that enhances the front seven twofolds compared to what we had to watch and stomach mm-hmm. over the last four or five years. You know, but again, the big factor is if. If Nicobe Dean is healthy, and again, we won't know until we see it for ourselves. And I can't emphasize enough that this rumor thing really has me perplexed as to who's telling the truth and who isn't, because so many teams now yep. everybody knows a player like a Nicobe Dean, you don't pass on him. Okay, a lot of great players slip through the first round. Mm-hmm. You don't let a Nicobe Dean get through the second round. So why did thirty-one other teams let this kid slip through two rounds? And then the Eagles decided, okay, based on uh, what we we know about him medically, we think he's okay. And if the Eagles wanted him that badly, why did they get him in the second round? They could have probably got the center in the third round. Yeah, you know, the center was not a priority. It's nice to have, it's nice to have that luxury. You would have got him in the third round, though. You would have got him in the third round. Okay, but still, you have no. you have you already have guys in, in place, right? Who right, played right, the game right. that could that could slide into Kelsey's position, yep. Peta. Say Amalu, yep. you know, since, since since now Dickerson is your starting left guard, where does that leave Say Amalu now? Is Say Amalu going to be your starting right guard? I think this this kid they drafted, Jurgens, could com- will compete for that starting right guard job. But you know, you got Say Amalu there, so you have people already in house that could have very easily slid over into that center position to replace a Kelsey if you had to be. You're you know? right. So so it's, it's I mean, this is something we got to watch closely. Not, not, I'm not even OTAs in the rookie camp. They, they don't even do any hitting. Basically, they barely work up a sweat in OTAs and rookie camps nowadays, you know, with this new CBA they have. But when it comes to them live hitting um, um, in training camp, preseason, regular season, we got to watch this closely to see where this kid is. All right. Let's, uh, I want you to hear this. This is Seth, and we had Seth on on Thursday with us, and we were talking about the linebackers position. But I want, I want you to hear specifically Seth on the Eagles edition of Nicobe Dean when he joined Gunner uh, with draft takes. Here is Seth on Dean coming to the birds. Well, the only, the only thing I can think of that's going to be a hindrance to him, you know, is, is, is his back end because the Eagles didn't do much, you know, right. on at the safety position where they need help. They've only got, I think one safety, you know, under yeah. contract right now, um, you know, and they need a cornerback to replace Steven Nelson on the outside. I think that those situations last year and the fact that you had linebackers that they felt like they couldn't blitz. Mm -hmm. Um, So anytime they wanted to bring an extra guy, they just went to their five man line, but that gives offenses an instant, you know, adjustment because they know what it is to be able Mm -hmm. to disguise what you do in your four, two fronts, which your four down and your two, your two linebackers to be able to bring in the Kobe Dean, you know, to be able to, um, go five man and then slide Hassan Reddick back off the ball and bring him as a blitzer. Um, you know, Jonathan Gannon has got to get creative. I didn't see a whole lot of creativity, you know, and what they right. did last year, they were pretty vanilla. I think that they tried to disguise a lot of things, which got them in trouble coverage wise from time mm-hmm. to time. But when they needed to bring pressure, he was extremely reluctant to bring pressure, had everybody in Philadelphia screaming about it. And there was never really any explanation about why they weren't more aggressive. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's my opinion that they felt like they didn't have the linebackers. You know, when you brought an extra guy, they could win and get home. They didn't have a guy that they could trust 
that situation has been resolved not only with N'Kobe Dean, not only with Hassan Reddick, but also with um, um, Kazir White. And if yeah. Davion Taylor can stay healthy, you know, yes. he's got the, he's got oodles of potential um, in this pool of linebackers to be high. All right, so you're you're going to have also a very angry guy who watched eighty two other names called before, right? Him. Okay, <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. So, and, and I know sometimes there's this, you know, sort of made up motivation by professional, whatever works for you, by the way. But you know, sometimes you know which. Okay, this guy's angry. This guy's legitimately angry. Like it I should think, be. It yeah, should be. you know, when you yeah. perform the way that he performed and. I, the, I, the thing that cracked me up, so when Howie was explaining the, the medical part of it with the peck in particular, he kept saying, all right, so uh, he's falling. I'm calling our medical people who did give him an examination, by the way. And I'm saying, am I missing something? We tested him, right? Okay, is there anything? No. What's happening? And, and then basically they, they they grabbed him up. But, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a dude who I think is going to make teams pay. And he's going to remember, you know, the teams that passed him up. I, that's why – I think they got a steal here, man. If he if he is even remotely healthy, he is going to be blowing things up. Uh, Rob, I, I, I'm sorry. I had asked Seth um, on draft takes. I said, uh, you know, when we talk about a Nicobe Dean, and you talk about his leadership qualities, you know, at Barrett is you can attest to this. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what position you play. When you come from the college ranks to the pros, pros. You have to know your place initially. You know, we are about all these players. You know, he's a leader. Well, you don't walk into a clubhouse or a locker room as, as a rookie and become an automatic leader. And I said, Seth, how long do you think it'll take before Nicobe Dean, if he is what we think he is, assumes that leadership role? He said production. He said whether it's a month or a month and a half into the season. If he's out there producing and other players notice it, he said, hey, take a look at the Michael Parsons. Look at the numbers Michael Parsons put up in Dallas. He became an instant leader. And you saw how animated Michael Parsons. Well, you know what? I don't care if you've been in the league one year or 10 years. Those players down in Dallas saw what Michael Parsons was doing for that defense. Mm-hmm. You can be guaranteed they started listening to Michael Parsons. Yeah. So if N'Kobe Dean is productive right away, I guarantee you, I don't care, Fletch Cox, Javon, Javon Hargrave, any of them. If that boy's producing when he gets into that, that defense and he starts to assert himself as that leader, I guarantee you people are going to fall in, fall in line with him. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And here's Barrett, I want to swing it back to this for a minute. And, and uh, oh, there you go. Good morning, uh, Green Acre Kiwi Sydney. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, we got a guy in El- from Alberta, Canada watching with us. We're all, we're global, man. It's unbelievable. Derek, we are great. global, man. We we are we go above and beyond. Um, but we appreciate everybody and tell your friends, tell your friends in Sydney and Australia, smash that like button too while we're at it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the other thing is, I mentioned this before we stepped away, the money that they're shelling out to undrafted free agents. For example, oh. Mario Goodrich, defensive back out of Clemson. $217,000 signing bonus just for, for Mario Goodrich, who a lot of people had maybe in the as high as the fourth round, yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, you know, that, that's a real commitment. Like, if, I, if he's not only got a really good chance to make the team, he might be getting time if you're getting that kind of coin for a guy who wasn't even drafted. No question. You know, and especially with the uncertainty of uh, even, you know, like I said, with Zach McPherson, um, this, this is going to be a very competitive yeah, not just training camp, but very competitive rookie camp. You know, what I'm saying they don't have they'll have OTAs, but they don't have mandatory OTAs. Mm-hmm. But all this is going to be very com- competitive from a secondary standpoint because 
number one, you don't know who's starting opposite mm-hmm. of, of, of big play slay. You don't know who's stopping, starting um, opposite of Harris, the safety. So everybody's going to be trying to show somebody up to get a position. This is going to be, you know, one of those things where hey, I'm, 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 you can't get, no, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. I got to get in there. And then when you add, you know, AJ Brown to the mix and him going out there and showing who he is and what he brings to the table, um, how good he is. And then you take that and you add on the mere fact that Smith is like, all right, everybody's talking about him. You notice I ain't post anything or text anything or say, hey, you know, welcome to the fold. That's because I'm going out to show everybody that I'm the number one receiver. This is what you want. This is that competitive nature, that dog mentality that the head coach is trying to breed in that locker room. You know what I'm saying? Even from the defensive line standpoint. And this is how you can make it real, uh, you know, as opposed to just saying it and guys already have the job. Look at the defensive line. Oh, Flex is like this. Oh, so you're going to bring the young buck in. Oh, he's going to dethrone me. Oh, I'm not going to – I'm not signing back next year. Okay, I'm about to show you. Hargraves is like, oh, this is the last year of my contract. You think you bring the big fella in? Nah. Linebacker position the same way. All these guys want to play, and there's only a couple spots available. This is where it all comes into fruition as far as this team taking it to the next level, that competitive nature. I witnessed it firsthand in the locker room of the Steelers. Hmm. We wanted to be great. So we wanted to be great on the team, which then flowed over to the rest of the NFL. Right. That's exactly what they need. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. And you got fires lit under dudes, and, and that's needed. You, you know, nine and eight's not good enough. That's the message you're sending. Getting getting absolutely smoked in the first round of the playoffs is not not going to mm-hmm. cut it, man. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, these guys have an opportunity to get on the on the field right away. That's for sure. And I think that that is kind of a game changer. So let, let's hope another one more clip here from Seth here on on, on the leadership uh, piece of this, um, which I think is is very interesting when it comes to you know the this some of the issues that we're talking about here and what Nicobe Dean brings to the table. I told you earlier what Jordan Davis had to say, but here's Seth on that part of it as well. You know what I like about this kid the most? I mean, yeah. I know you yeah. watched the national championship game and how yeah. he got on his other linebacker mate, you know, about not being in the right place, taking the wrong step and getting in his way. Um, right. The kid is a natural born leader. And when yes. I look at the Philadelphia Eagles defense, you know, I talked about it in our draft show the other night. I don't think the Eagles have had great leadership on the defensive side of the ball since Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long left this football mm-hmm. team. And I think when you're drafting, you know, it you have to incorporate leadership skills into some of the guys that you draft because you need leaders on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. BG is a vocal guy. He's going to lead coming yep. off a major injury. But you got to believe that he's going to be back 100%. He's going to be a voice. He's going to be able to lead. The Kobe Dean is going to have to lead by example until, you know, he gets through this rite of passage, if you will, as a young player and then step into mm-hmm. being, you know, a vocal leader. Because you can only lead if you're leading by example first. Then you, right. can lead by, you can lead by – you can lead vocally. Um, I think he does both, and I think he's a major plus, not only because of, you know, the type of football player he's going to be for this organization, but the potential leadership skip the excuse me, the potential uh-huh. leadership skills that this young kid possesses. All right, there is uh, mm. Seth Joyner. Yeah, and good stuff all, all weekend, Derek, with those draft bites for sure. Thank Derek, you, man. Really, really good. Um, I wanted to throw this one out there too. You know, we haven't really gotten into the Cam Jurgens pick, who appears to be the, you know, the the heir apparent. I know, Derek, you said he could potentially play guard as well, but, you know, possibly the heir apparent for uh, Jason Kelsey. 
you know, and I, while I get people saying, you know, that's a luxury pick, you're looking down the road, you have to do that as a general manager as well, and especially if you're talking about a position as important as center, especially the guy who every year talks about, I may, I may step away at some point. You know, this may be it for me. And I just thought it was really cool how they brought him into, he being Jason Kelsey, brought him into the whole discussion here. You know, for people who may not know, they were consulting with Kelsey, the organization was, mm-hmm. about who he thinks, who he likes at the center position. And he was he went on to say, this is my favorite guy in the draft, and I'm not just saying it. Like, I hear that from a guy who knows his game as well as Jason Kelsey knows his game. And, I, you know, again, I think it's a very smart move by the Eagles organization to bring him in. And it tells you a lot about Jason Kelsey that he's willing to do that too. But that's an interesting move. It's interesting because they look to Kelsey. You know, they love his leadership. They look for look to him. You know, to 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 be that um, spark plug, not just an offensive line, but for the offense, the team. Period. And he understands, and he lets them know he's very forthcoming and telling them, "Look, I can't play forever. All right, I'll come back another year. I still got that fire in my gut to do it." But he also understands, look, I want to leave a legacy here. I want to leave somebody here that can take my place and keep it going. Mm-hmm. You know, he still feels the need to, to help because he's not going to, you know, he said it, he said it himself. He's not going to leave, just leave the organization. He will be in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He'll take some type of role in the Eagles organization. You can believe that, whether he's going to be coaching, uh, maybe he goes up under Stoutland, becomes an um, assistant officer line coach, so he takes his – coaching career and takes off with that because you can see it you can tell no, no he's doubt. a motivator of men he'll be a great coach but the mere fact that he said look i love this guy and then one watching film on him i see why he loves him and this guy's one of the top centers in the draft and he wouldn't have been there at, at, at you know in fact i don't think he would have lasted another five or six picks that's how good this kid is so you know i mean the mere fact that they were able to pick him up in the second round is definitely something i was like all right you know that's a good pick for him even though I thought it was one of those pictures, it was a luxury. Well, you know, Derek, like a- athletic traits and similarities. He, he was an offensive player. He was a tight end. Uh, converted. You know, we saw that with Kelsey. We saw it with Lane Johnson. You know, he he he's got unbelievable athleticism and and size to go with it. And he plays with an edge. He he's a he's a play to the, to the whistle yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, he's he's yeah. got that in. Him. Yeah, yeah you, th- we we all know this is an organization that love their linemen offensive and defensive and they like to load up on offensive linemen and if they identify one who could be better than something they already have in the fold um you know you say well wait a minute you already have your surplus of offensive linemen but the bottom line is the business mm-hmm. you want to be as good as you can be for a longer period of time not a short duration of time and so this guy comes in here with an edge he's a little bit bigger than kelsey uh mm-hmm. is you know he's like 320 pounds. pounds yeah he's like yeah, 20 pounds bigger. yeah six three and Same he's got a, he's got a nasty disposition. Mm-hmm. He yep. has the ability to get off the snap quick and get out of the space in that zone blocking scheme. He can get to the second level and take out that linebacker as well. And he can get down the field and run interference for a safety or cornerback as well. So he has all the intangibles that you would want for an offensive lineman under Jeff Stoutman. You know, so a lot of people said, "Well, you know, you know, why did they take a lineman when they could have got this or got that?" Um, I have to give him credit. You know, when it comes to line play. You know, we can say what we want to say about how they've missed on a lot of different things. Very rarely do they miss when it comes to offensive and defensive linemen. Yeah. So I have to give Howie and that organization credit for being consistent in that regard. No, look, I, 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 they and, do. And, and yeah. you know, you're 
handing him over to a guy who's the best in the sport at coaching up that position in Jeff Stoutland, which also yep. makes it real. It's also a pick, guys, that a GM who's feeling the heat may not make. Yeah, this right, is where exactly, right. you know this is where the security of Howie really comes in and, and and allows him to do this kind of thing and think toward the future, like the like they the trade they made before the draft even started by giving up that one to the Saints, sure. which gives you two for next year. So I think that's also you know the 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 sort of chemistry here and the fact that Howie's been there long enough, he knows that he's building something. It's not I got to not that there is an urgency. Don't get me wrong. But he also has to look at it with an eye towards the future, too. Hey, you know, but that also that also plays to it shows you how much Jeffrey Lurie trusts Howie's opinion. You know, number one, he gave Howie a three year extension, so yeah. Howie has has that comfort zone now to try to build his team the way he sees it, or the way him and his conglomerate of decision makers see it. And number two, Jeffrey Lurie does have his hand in the draft, but Jeffrey has always told us he likes to hire people, put them in positions, and let those people do their job. Yep. He has his input, but he has to trust the people that he's paying a lot of figure, a lot of money to to make these type of decisions. So that just goes to show you the trust um, of, of what Jeffrey thinks of how. Hey, uh, Lewis Gwynn, we see Lewis Gwynn checking in from London. I like that man. Wow. We got guys. We got guys checking in from Canada, London. All over yeah. the place, bro. Yeah, let, let's hear. I mean, we we've had uh, you know Australia and Canada and yeah. London for for all of our folks, you know, who want to check in, you know, internationally. Feel free to do so, and for all of our friends <laughs> within our borders too, you can let us know where you're uh, where you're checking in from. Go ahead, John Dickerson. These players will be like Baron at White Castle, hungry and a bit sweaty. <laughs> yes. Let's hope. Let's hope. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So, uh, you know uh, what they're talking about? Carson Strong, man. Oh, the, boy, the, 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 the quarterback. Yeah. Carson Strong. I mean, I did a, um, actually did um, Nevada at Kansas State this year. Okay. And um, watching film, want to break them down. They made a perfect analogy of him on the, on the stream. Um, He's a little less athletic than Nick Foles, but he's just like Nick Foles. Same size, you know, same. I mean, this kid has a cannon of an arm. Mm -hmm. He's not going to run away from too much. He's going to be in a pocket. He's going to be exactly where he's supposed to be at. If he's if it's a seven-step drop, he's going to be exactly at seven steps. Mm -hmm. But he can deliver the ball. He's got a cannon. Right. Will he compete this year? I, I doubt so, but he'll beat out. He'll beat out eventually. Um you know, even the second team guy. Okay. You know. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to join us. We'll throw all this stuff at Ruben, all the things we've been discussing from a draft perspective. Looking forward to getting his perspective on all of this when we get back. D. Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, we are Sports Take. Hey, I want to let everybody know about Pro Action Restoration, my good friends over there. If you have a home or a business or experience the pain and inconvenience of, say, water or fire or smoke or mold damage, to your property, you know how trying that can be. ProAction's on call 24-7. Anytime you have an emergency, you can call them. They will be there. I went through it at my parents' house a few years back. ProAction was there. They cleaned it up quickly. They cleaned the entire place. The crew was professional, and the price was very reasonable. They're licensed. They're bonded. They're fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. This is not a fly-by-night situation. They've been around a long time, and they've done it at a very high level. ProAction will work in conjunction, by the way, with your insurance company. That's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation. You name it, they can handle it. Give them a call at 610-623-3760. That's 
888-382-3760 or at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight pairs. Go for the game. Go for the hits, go for the fans, go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hour number three, welcome in, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network, B. Brooks, The Gun, R. Ellis, and we are joined from NBC Sports, Philadelphia, the one and only Ruben Frank, D. Gun's guy. He gives me so much grief. I don't know why. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know why? You deserve all the grief. I'm I'm so nice to him all the time, I don't get it. You're nice on camera to him. You're mean when when the camera's turned off is what I'm hearing. Right, Rube? I had to work with this guy for, what, three years? Every day for three years. I don't know how I survived. Barrett knows. Barrett survived it, too. (laughs) See, and I can see, and you guys think it's me. 
What? You, you, it, it's what? not you and it's not me. I mean, there's a pattern of behavior here. <laughs> it's true. We're, we're suffering through it right now. Right? I'm just going to get my ring light going here. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so... Ruba, Ruba is certainly getting his, getting it. This is the, the beauty of technology, right, man? We, we There we go. And now, now Ruba, let there be light. And, and here we are. And we got it perfect. Ruba, I'll ask you this about the draft. I'm going to exclude A.J. Brown for just for the sake of this question that I have to ask you. Of the players that the Eagles drafted, who do you think this year gets on the field and makes the biggest impact of the players they drafted? Interesting question. Um I I I really think Nicobe Dean, I, you know, because they've got look, they've mm-hmm. got great depth at D tackle, and I think you know the first round pick is a kid who's going to kind of work his way in. Uh, he'll have a role, but uh, Dean's going to he's going to start. He's going to play. And, I mean, he's he's instantly their best linebacker, uh, and you know, it's I mean, I, you know, I think uh, Jurgens is is going to wait his turn, and um, so to me, it's going it's it's going to be Nicobe Dean. I mean, they, he's a He's a, a guy that can come right in and make an impact. Uh, and they're still going to rotate their linebackers. I mean, they've upgraded the position, um, you know, beyond him too. I mean, because your white is a really solid guy. Uh, obviously, Reddick is a Sam linebacker, which is really – he's really an, an edge rusher, not a linebacker, mm-hmm. not an off-ball linebacker. But, um, you know, I think the only linebacker, if you look at last year's group, I mean, they started the season with Alex Singleton um, – who was the kid that they ran out of here? Eric Wilson, whatever his yes. name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the free agent signing. Yeah, that's not a fraud. Yesterday, two weeks. Uh, you know, so Singleton and uh, TJ Edwards and and Eric, I mean, those were the starters. So um, now you know now you have a, a legit linebacker for the first time in quite some time around here. So I think he's going to make a big impact right from the jump. Rube, let's let's bring AJ back into the equation for just a moment. Uh, the Eagles gave up six draft capitals to get two players. Um, and we always hear Howie Roseman talking about wanting to get younger and obviously getting better. Um, I, I want your thoughts on them giving up. I mean, they got great players, don't get me wrong, but your your thoughts on them giving up that kind of draft commodity for those two particular players. Yeah, I mean, six a couple six round picks in the mix. So, you know, I'm not I'm not losing sleep over those. It's mm-hmm. a lot though. I mean, they gave up a lot, but you know, you look at the really the Carson trade and the trade with the saints, you know, you're making deals to get picks. So you Mm -hmm. have this, you know, this draft capital, if you need it and you have, you know, if the opportunity comes up, you have the assets. So that's what it's for. That's what these extra picks are for. And you still have two ones next year. You know, you still have an extra three, Uh, you know, you you have, you know, they, they, I think there's five teams that have two ones next year. So they've never had two ones in back to back. Uh, seasons now obviously they traded one but they they used it so um I, it, yeah it's a lot it's a lot but i like what they got and i think the value that they got in exchange for the picks when i first heard about the the, the aj brown deal i assumed like we heard about the trade before we heard about the, the compensation mm-hmm. i assumed a one and a two and then maybe like a five next year like a one and mm-hmm. a two and something else so to do that for a one and a three uh, I, I think they got great value there mm. They absolutely did, you know, but, you know, just kind of pushing away from the draft a little bit and talking about the secondary. Um, I, I, I've been seriously contemplating, you know, them, you know, kind of going with a different scheme. Uh, you know, when you have a true uh, zero nose guard now, a, a guy that can play right in the middle of that defense with Davis now, uh, you've got, you know, guys that are, you know, potentially edge rushers. They draft the kid from Kansas who was a defensive end. 
um, last year. I did it, you know, I did a game South Dakota against Kansas, and he was the defensive end. He's kind of same lines with what Riddick is. Um, you I see them as a four question, aren't you? Huh? You're gonna ask me the three four question? Yes, yes. I was yeah, trying to do I, it. I'll just tiptoe around it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I think Gannon wants to be multiple, and I think he was really limited last year by by his personnel. I mean, I know he was. I know he wanted to do more. I don't think that'll be their base. I don't think they're gonna be a three four team, but I, I think you'll see a, a good dose of it, and I think he's gonna mix things up and. You know, Reddick is really a three-four edge, and yeah, uh, you, you know, so you have a three-four nose. So I think you'll see a lot of that, and um, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. If if these guys can handle learning, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys in the mix. There's going to be a lot of guys who have to learn different positions, and uh, so that process could be challenging. But I, I think that's what he wants. I think he wants to be unpredictable. I think he wants to be more aggressive. I think he wants to be more. Um, you know, just unpredictable to, to offenses, so they don't know what's coming. And I think he's got the personnel to do it. So mm-hmm. um, I, I do think you'll see a heavy dose of of, of odd fronts. Rub, do, do you believe in, in Jonathan Gannon? Because there are a lot of people around the league who do. I mean, he's being interviewed this offseason quite a bit. Absolutely. He's got a great reputation. And, and you know, it, it, this I think fans were frustrated. But how much of that was just personnel limitations? 100% of it was. And, I, I mean, I look, I think the first – month he probably he, he got a little carried away with being too conservative uh, i would agree with that shut up i would agree with that but he's a good coach and i think he's look what did he have last year i mean he had slay was like his only above average player and i know josh sweat made the pro bowl but i mean josh sweat had three sacks the first 12 games of the season yeah. so it's not like he was like out there you know, wasn't like Clyde Simmons out there. Um, he, he had a decent second half of the year. Uh, he had one elite player. You know, they were running some guys out there that really, yeah. what is he supposed to do? So they were still top 10 defense. You know, you, be, even before the Dallas game, they were, I think they were eighth in yards and ninth in points. They finished 10th in yards, and I think 12th in points because, you know, that Dallas game skewed the numbers. But he's a good coach. And I think people are going to see that this year. That was hey. that was actually Jonathan Gannon just calling to say thanks. We, we appreciate <laughs> Before he said that, yeah, yeah. Hey, ahead, you think hey. about it, like, yeah. like Jim Johnson's first year, and he had some pretty good players. He had Troy Vincent, he had Trot. I mean, there's some good players on that team. Yeah, um, they were like 19th in defense, right. you know. And then as you know, as the guys learned what he was looking for, as he learned the personnel and, and what <laughs> guys were good at, what they weren't good at, and uh, you know, the thing evolved in, to the point where by year two. They were one of the best defenses in the league, and that continued up through, you know, the next decade. But these things don't happen instantly. And, uh, you know, I think people have to remember that. I mean, just look at look at that first year. I mean, I, you can see by the end of the year with that 99 team that they were going to be good the next year. But uh, they took their lumps uh, just like this team did. Hey, Rube, how do they address the safety and cornerback position moving forward? Yeah, it's a concern. Uh, you know, and you can't address everything. And I think if you go in – you go into the off season and your biggest needs are, are D back receiver edge rusher mm-hmm. and, uh, and D tackle. And they address three of those four. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a net positive, but uh, it's a concern. I think one thing they like Marcus Epps a lot. And I thought he played well as a third safety last year behind, behind Anthony Harrison, Rodney. Um, you, you just don't know how someone's going to react to getting, say 70 snaps a game instead yep. of 35 or 40. Right. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of assuming that 
maybe he can't handle that. You know, he was, um, he's a guy who was cut by the Vikings and, you know, he was a waiver claim pickup a couple of years ago. So you kind of, you're kind of thinking like he can't be a starter. They think he can. And I thought he played well when he was on the field. I just don't know if you can really, you know, transfer that to being a full-time starter. So uh, I think they like him. I think uh, corner, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything from Zach McPherson that tells me he's going to go out there and be a stud now. Mm. You know, some guys I watched film on him, man. I, I went through and I was a glutton for punishment. And I sat back and I watched film yesterday on yeah. Zach McPherson. I watched I watched the Dallas game. I went back yeah. and watched the Dallas game. I thought he played very well against C.D. Lamb last year. Okay. I really did. Yeah, I'll have to check out that film. Because um, I, I didn't see what you saw, but... <laughs> I'm with you, Rube. I don't oh, know what he's talking about. Really. I thought he played very, very well, man. I mean, go back and watch the film. Go back yeah, and watch. And look, he's—I I don't think he played bad. I don't think he—he he ever really, you know, looked out of place. I think he looked comfortable. He didn't really make plays, but uh, you know, he played some snaps when when Slay and uh, Steve Nelson were, uh, you know, were, were out for a series or two here and there. Um, can he be a full-time starter? I don't know. I, you know, I like this kid Goodrich that they. Um, that they signed as an undrafted rookie. He's an intriguing guy, but um, from Alabama was it the kid from Clemson. Alabama? Oh, Clemson. 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 Okay, Clemson. yeah. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Howie over the years. D back is one position, and Rob and I were talking about this on WIP yesterday. Um, it's one position that he's been able to address late in the off season. You know, the Darby trade in seventeen was in August. You know, Darby for 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 uh, Jordan Matthews to the Bills. Uh, Corey, Corey, um, Corey Graham signed really late that that off season. Um, like we, uh, you know, Craven LeBlanc came in the yeah. middle of the season in eighteen and played well down the stretch. Um, same thing with with Epps. He was a mid year acquisition. Steve Nelson last year he didn't sign until I think a couple days into training camp. So you can add D backs, you know, guys who get cut or something, but that's that's not ideal. And you know, I think I give Howie credit for not reaching. You know, once it was clear that you know. The, the top two corners were out of his range. He, he didn't reach. It must have been tempting. Uh, I was I was a little surprised he didn't take a you know a shot at Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I understand why. I would have loved to have seen it. Uh, but, yeah, they've got some questions to answer there. Hey, would you, I think quarterback more ahead, than Rob, safety, too. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, hey, Rube, where, where would you – again, we're projecting this because we, we just don't know until they start playing. But as far as the NFC East goes, we saw the Cowboys last year win the division, but – you know, crash and burn in that, in that playoff game. Um, as they, they do. May, as they, as they want to do, especially with, uh, with Mike McCarthy at the helm, how would you rank the East now? It's just looking at this thing on paper with the additions that the Eagles made. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I still think Dallas is the team to beat, uh, but I think the Eagles have closed the gap significantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think with, I mean, they have a proven quarterback. Yep. They're the only team that does. I would, I guess. Yeah, I guess Washington. Yeah, they don't have a proven quarterback. Um, <laughs> he's proven. I don't know if he's kind of proven you. you proven to be a problem. Play. Yeah, <laughs> I proven don't know to he's proven. move on from places very quickly lately. Yeah. So, um, I, but I, I would put you know I, I would put the Eagles ahead of Washington. I think Washington's defense is very good. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm Giants until the Giants get a real quarterback. I don't think they're really going to be a team to. To cont- I did my 2023 mock draft, and and I have the Giants taking a quarterback next year because it's 2023 mock draft. The Eagles take. Roof stays ahead of the curve, man. I'm doing my 2024 <laughs> mock draft next week, but no, but um, I so I I would say 
I would go Dallas, Eagles, Washington Giants. Right. Uh, I really think this division is winnable. I think if Jalen Hurts plays, plays say, 20% more consistently than last year, Eagles win the division. Hey, Rube, when you consider – you were talking about Howie a few moments ago. When you consider all the years that Howie has dealt with a lot of you guys in the media and you guys have dealt with him, do you think he is more comfortable at this stage, especially now that he's even got that three-year extension, being more forthcoming with you guys? Or does he still – do you think he still kind of keeps you at bay and not tell you a whole lot? Yeah, it's a great question, Gunnar. And I, uh, Zangara and I were talking about this uh, as we were walking back to the media house from from Howie's presser Saturday night. Yeah. I think he's been more forthcoming than ever. Okay. And I think part of that's the security of that contract. Part of it is um, – you know, they had a great weekend. And this is yeah. two pretty good yeah. weekends, you know, two pretty good drafts in a row, which they've never done. They've right. never had back-to-back really good drafts. So I think he's more comfortable that way. And he's been doing this for 13 years now. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's – I think he's just getting more comfortable and he's getting better at it. And, uh, you know, he's he's just – it was funny. We – we uh, Dave and I, Dave Zangara and I were walking through the parking lot on, uh, I think it was Friday morning, and this big SUV comes into the Novacare and starts making a beeline, like driving right toward me, like, you know, going like 30 miles an hour. It was me trying to take you out. (laughs) I thought it was you, but it wasn't your car. So then, so like the window rolls down and it's Howie. Yeah. And and he's got this, he's, he's cracking up. And I said, Howie, what would the headline be if you ran me over? And he he said he said Eagles general manager does the public a service. <laughs> and like I love it. Roseman I love of five years ago, never he would never do right. that. And he's just right. I, I just think he's more comfortable in his own skin. And I think it started with the year off he had in uh, in fifteen when you know when Chip was the GM and how he was basically what was he ordering you know medical tape for the mm-hmm. trainers. Yeah. According to a press release. (laughs) So I think he spent that year kind of really doing a lot of self-reflecting and kind of addressing his his faults as, you know, maybe not even as a GM as much as as just dealing with people because he wasn't very good at it, honestly. And he wasn't good with us at it. And he wasn't good with, you know, with in the office. He wasn't good with other teams. I think he's improved in all those areas. And, and that translates to, I mean, when you can communicate better, that translates to doing your job better. And right. I think we're seeing that. Well, you know, I think that's a huge thing, you know, when you talk yeah. about um, the communication we see with the head coach, uh, Nick, you see the communication with Andy Waddle, you see the picks reflecting that, you know what I'm saying? And them coming together. I think that's a, that's a strength that he has now the communication between the three entities has helped him a lot as far as, you know, him making these decisions, you know, do you see that him more comfortable with, 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 you know, really talking to those guys? You know, I remember, I remember big red having a chat with big red uh, up at Lehigh after practice one day, a long talk about how like the old school NFL model was that, was that coaching and scouting were, like always had an adversarial relationship in the NFL. That's just how things always were. And, you know, the, the scouts wanted the coaches to play this guy, play my guy, play my guy. And the coaches wanted the scouts to get them better players. Um, like at the vet, they were on different floors, you know, the scouts were on the fourth floor and the coaches were on the first floor. And it was just a, it, it just a traditional NFL model was that they were, um, they just never worked well together. And Andy's thing when he came in was, you know, 
to, to really maximize our roster, they have to not just get along, but they have to be on the same page as far as doing their job. And he really tried to break down the barriers between coaching and scouting and um, which he did. I, I think he did. And I think now you're seeing like the logical extension of that. But I mean, when I started covering the team, I mean, the coaches and scouts hated each other. Yep. They didn't work together. Yep. You'd never see a coach up there at a presser with, with the GM. Um, so if you can kind of, you know, take that and turn it into one, you know, one group that works well together, they respect each other, they like each other, and they work well together, you can just be so much more productive. And mm. I think that's kind of what the NFL model is now, that teams understand that they have to they have to be able to work together. It's just you're not going to get the right player. So uh, I, I think it's I think it's really important. And, uh, you know, they they definitely – uh, they definitely are on the same page. You, you can see it. I mean, it gets a little, they get a little carried away with their little, you know, inside jokes and whispering to each other. And like, you know, there's like a couple like eighth grade girls there in the back of the class, you know, but uh, <laughs> as long as you get the right players, that that's all that matters. And and I think they're working really well together. Hey, Rube, how, how different do you think Nick Sirianni's offense looks this year compared to last? Well, last year, Jalen Rager got 750 snaps. So just 700 too many. It's about 748 too many, but yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, So, and you know, even JJ got like almost 200 snaps on offense. So you take them out of the equation and, you know, I mean, they tried so hard to force feed Jalen Rager to make him, and I don't blame him. Look, he was a first round pick. You got to try to get him going and you know, you can't give up on a guy after one year. So they tried and they failed uh, but it really hamstrung the offense. It hamstrung Jalen, uh, uh, Tra- Jalen Hurts, um, the passing game. Uh, you know, really, Jalen Rager is responsible for the running game becoming what it did because the passing game was so ineffective. And if you're Jalen Hurts and you're dropping back and you have Devontae over here with like three guys covering him, and you have Jalen Rager over here with nobody on him and he drops the ball. And I mean, he can't run an offense that way. So now all of a sudden you have, you know, Devontae and A.J. Brown and Goddard and, you know, I mean, and Quez, who's you know going into year three, I think is going to be a really good number three. I, I think it allows him to do so much more because you don't have a guy out there who's useless. You, know, mm-hmm. you have if you have three receivers and a tight end and a back, and one of those receivers can't play, it's really hard to you know because you're only as good as the weakest one, right? You said useless. <laughs> he didn't even smirk or anything. You know, you have guys out there playing. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's like going out there and, and, and you know, you're in a gunfight and you got a pop gun. I mean, you're right. You don't have and you want to you want you want to judge this kid over him, his inabilities. You know, when you have to think how debilitating it was to have the guys out there that he was playing with. I mean, you're talking about they want to force feed the ball to, 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 to Jalen Rager. They want to force feed it. Yeah. And they wanted they wanted to be out on pass down. J Jaws out there if they got caught on a if they got caught on a pass play. No, 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 no. You can't throw it to me. I'm a blocker. I'm a blocker. You can't throw it to me. I mean, that's got to be the worst situation where you don't have the trust in your guys to go out there to be able to make a play for you. Yeah, and you have a 23-year-old quarterback in his first year as a starter with a new coach trying to yep. find his way. And who's his receivers? You know, yeah. a, a rookie who had played really well and and Rager who you know, it was just lost out there. So it really made things tough for Hurts. I think just having A.J. Brown out there is going to make him a better player. Uh, j- just that one thing. I mean, p- everything else will, should help him as well. But uh, I, I think, you know, now when you run a, a jet sweep, maybe it's a guy who can get you six yards instead of minus two. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's there's just a 
uh, a lot more that that Nick can do, and I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see them throw a lot more. I mean, they, they basically ran because they had to. I don't think right. he wants to run 50 times a game. Right. They'll still be good running the ball, and they'll still mix it up. But I think the passing game has to be better, um, and I think it will be. Hey, Rube, can you shed some light on the rumor that was out there prior to the draft about Andy Weidel, who is how he's right him, and possibly going to the Steelers in a front office position? Have you heard anything more about that? Yeah, I would even say he's the favorite for for that job. Kevin Colbert is retiring. Yep. Um, which is interesting because Kevin was the baseball coach at Ohio Wesleyan when I was there and assistant mm-hmm. football coach. So now guys like, you know, like he's a few years older than me, he's retiring. I'm like, what, what's going on here? But <laughs> uh, great GM. I mean, he probably is a hall of fame general manager. I mean, he's been, he's been mm-hmm. tremendous. That's my guy. He took me to Detroit. Then he took me to, to the, to the Steelers. So wow. I love him. Yeah. Kevin Colbert, great GM, great guy. Yeah. Um, I've known him. There's Kevin Colbert. Now. There he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, gosh, I've known Kevin Colbert for 40 years, which is crazy. Wow. Um, but Andy Weidel, you know, he's from Pittsburgh. Um, he actually he started out working for Tom Donahoe yep. in uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, scouting Milton Williams, I think. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so I think he's got a pretty good shot at the job. I think Andy's very good, and that would be a big loss. I mean, they've lost some some guys already. Um Andy, you know, you see Andy up there and and you can tell just talking to a scout, like, you know, how sharp he is, how much he knows his stuff. And Andy's really good. Uh, and I think he will get that job. And I think it'll be soon. And uh, Eagles are going to miss him a lot. Rube, last one for me. What does the future hold for Miles Sanders? How does this play out? We, we know what the contract situation is. You know, when he's been healthy, he's, he's an electric guy, but there's been injuries and it, it just seems – there's a little bit of a disconnect there in, in some, to some extent. What, what do you, what do you think happens there? Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting case. His contract's up after this year. Um, I think that if he has a healthy training camp and he starts the season healthy and productive, um, I think they'll resign him. I think they'll resign him. I think you could probably get him fairly cheap. Running backs are cheap anyway. I think the injuries will lower his price, you know, because I think he knows that if he gets to free agency, I don't think he's got tremendous value. I mean, running backs don't as it is right. when right. they're healthy. Right. So when you look at the injuries, um, but like you said, the production, he's got like the seventh highest rushing average in history by a running back with uh, whatever it is, like, I, I, you know, like over 500 carries. Mm. Um, I mean, he's like five one or something. It's crazy. And the production has been uh, unbelievable. And I thought he ran the ball better last year. I thought he was able to, uh, I thought his vision, his, his recognition was really good. Um, he wasn't bouncing things outside. He was hitting it up inside and, and getting good yards. He's a, he's a talented kid. So I think, I think you can sign him to an extension kind of like the, I mean, a year, a year, um, a year ago, they signed, you know, sweat and Mulata and Avante Maddox. I think it'll be the same sort of thing. Right. Um, where, if he can show that he's healthy and he's productive, you can probably get him fairly cheap and and sign him. So I, I think that's what will happen. Because, hey, yeah, go ahead. Hey, hey Rube, my, my last question to you is, in, in all the years that I've known you, worked Uh-oh. with you. Here we go. What? No, I'm about to give him some props here, believe it or not. Okay. You all right? Not. The one thing not. that is always said, Believe it or not, out, not. 
Barrett, Barrett, go eat some White Castles. We'll get back to you later. Oh, that's right. nasty stuff, the, man. Oh, that's not thank you. Thank no. you, Rube. Thank you. But anyway, one thing that's always just stood out to me about you, Rube, is that, man, you come up with some incredible stats, you know, not mm-hmm. just the football. Football is your primary gig, but, I mean, it could be any – it could be baseball. I mean, when I see some of your stuff in your Twitter feeds and I'm like, where the heck does he get all this stuff, man? I love how it. Do you, how, do you, how do you do this stuff? Because I'm sitting there going, that's pretty doggone good. Well, I would say 70 to 80% of it I make up because no, no one left to know. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you, you admitted it. I just make it up, Gunner. <laughs> uh, I got to ask you out the door, Rube. Sixers, what happens here? Oh, Series man. tonight, no, yeah. no one beat at least for one and two. What do you think? I like your theory that, you know, maybe they can steal game one. Maybe they can surprise uh, surprise the heat down there. Um Man, Paul Reed. If Paul Reed can stay out of foul trouble, which is a huge if, uh, if they can if they can hit their threes and and defend, um, I think it helps that Lowry's not playing. But man, Miami's really good defensively, and I, I didn't like what I saw like in those two losses um, to Toronto. Just the the shot selection. You know, every time they miss a three, it's a fast break the other way, and and you can't win like that. So you got to hit your threes, play better defensively. Paul Reed stay out of foul trouble. Uh, and Harden's got to be, you know, what he did in game six. If he can play like that, you're going to have a chance because they need him to be a superstar. And it's really rare that he's been that uh, since he got here. A couple games here and there, those first few games, he was great. But since then, not a lot. So if they can do those things, they can play with Miami. There's there's no question. But they don't have a huge margin of error. They've got to play really well uh, to be in this series. Yep. Rube, good stuff, man. I, I love the Rube I observations. Oh, it's it's must read for sure. Check appreciate him out on Twitter, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, Rube and Frank. Thank you, Rube. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys. All right, you got it. All right, guys, let, let's step aside. Let's dig back into the Sixers a little bit. We talked about them earlier. We'll keep rolling with the Eagles draft as well. We got a lot more to do as we uh, as we mar- march, easy for me to say, forward into our final segment. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Block's Aspire to Dreams Gala, hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Block's Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Oh, man, final segment of the program on this Monday Sports Take. Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, D-Gun himself, uh, Jacob Media YouTube Network. So it's official. Honey Badger goes to the Saints, guys. Uh, I, You know, not a big surprise. I sort of felt like either a lot of these teams, including the Eagles, are maybe trying to play the long game and or Honey Badger was trying to leverage other teams against the Saints to get the money up and he could go back home, you know, kind of where he grew up and where he played his college ball there. Certainly would have been a nice option and an upgrade for the Eagles at the safety position, but I can't say as I'm surprised that he ended up with the Saints. It sort of felt like that's where this thing was trending. Well, when you consider the Saints didn't address the issue in the draft, you knew it had to be a given. As soon as the draft was over, the rumors, the reports started coming out. The Saints were making a heavy push to get Honey Badger there. Smart move on the Saints' part, you know, when you consider – what their quarterback situation is. You don't know how healthy Michael Thomas is going to be, who was a great receiver when he's healthy. They lost Malcolm Jenkins. You know, Saints had a pretty good defense last year. Now Malcolm Jenkins is gone. So getting Honey Badger there is a big plus for them. Again, it boils to how many games are you going to have him for? We know his history. We know when he plays. He's an undersized safety. He plays with reckless abandon, throws his body around, and that's why he's injured so much. But, man, when he's on the football field, he's a game changer on that back end. You're talking about a guy, man, that wanted to be back home. Malcolm Jenkins just retired. And they just traded. They just traded. Well, they let um, the other stage. Was it Williams? Mm -hmm. They lost him to free agency. They needed somebody back there in the worst way. Now, I'm I'm surprised. They they probably got a hometown discount, you know, because he wanted to be home. Or else they couldn't, you know, really trade. I mean, uh, they really couldn't afford to pay him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean – I mean, it just worked out perfectly that he wanted to be home, man. I mean, they lost both safeties, and you know, the mere fact that uh, you know, this this he's coming off a you know, a, virtually a great year. So I mean, it was just the perfect storm for them. Um, yeah. I actually didn't think the Eagles had a shot in getting them anyways because he wanted to stay home. 
Um, you know, so that's why I never really talked about the you know, honey mm-hmm. badger and, and bringing them in or anything. So I never thought they were going to be in the mix to bring them in. So, I mean, it, 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 it never, it was never something that I felt really sincerely concrete about. I didn't know what to make. I don't know what to make of the saints. I mean, you're going down the Jameis Winston route again. I know Taysom Hill's still there, but you got a new coach in Dennis Allen. Derek, you mentioned a good defense, but lost some pieces. I don't know if Michael Thomas wants to be there. He kind of feels like he's got one foot out the door. I, I think that division in general is bad. I think the South is yeah. going to be bad. But yep, yep. they're, you know, you obviously if you're an Eagles fan, you want the Saints to be bad because you own, I think at least one of their number one picks. I don't know how many they have, but you you at least have one of them. So I think they're going to be a middling kind of team. And, and and great, good for him if you want to go home. Yeah, hey, more power to him. But I don't know if he's going to a team that's going to be even a playoff team or make well, a deep yeah. playoff run. You're right. Well, you look at um, you look at their quarterback situation. You know, Jameis Winston can, he can, he can, he can throw you into a game or throw you right back out of a yeah, game. Yeah. You know, somebody that had he, he threw over five thousand yards with thirty interceptions and over thirty um, touchdowns. So same thing make you laugh, make you cry when you're dealing with a quarterback like that. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have the best leadership qualities in the world either. So um, I don't know what they do with that. You know, the new head coach now. Um, I heard they love him, but we'll see. You know how he you know takes the reins. No doubt. Yeah, but you know what? Jameis Winston played well for Sean Payton last year before he got injured. I mean, he was putting up some decent numbers yeah, compared to compared to what it was his last season down in Tampa when he he joined the thirty thirty club, his own exclusive thirty thirty club. <laughs> you know, he played he played well for Sean Payton. Now we don't know what this new coaching staff is going to be like and how much they can get out of him. But they have Andy Dalton as a backup now, and you know, he, Andy Dalton's another guy. You know, he can win you a game, he can lose you a game. You know, so they have two quarterbacks, two interchangeable parts, and they moved Taysom Hill exclusively to what? What, what, what is he now, the wide receiver? H-back yeah. or okay, slot. H-back, or, tight yeah, end or something like that. They, hybrid, gave him a, yeah. they gave him a lot of money. Taysom well, well the guy who money. was obsessed with him left, Derek. Sean, find yeah. somebody yeah. who loves you like Sean Payton loved Taysom Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You'll have a very happy life. <laughs> yeah. The only, prob- the only problem is Sean Payton got Taysom Hill some big money before he, he left. Did. So now the Saints are handcuffed you know, paying them that money at least for one year until they can get out from under that contract if he doesn't turn out to be, you know, what they want him to be. But, you know, you're right. Outside of Tampa, the NFC South, which was a strong division for years, has now become the Tampa Bay Buccaneer division and everybody else, good luck. Yeah, I mean, they're just going to run away with that. There's major question marks with almost every other one of those teams in that division. You're right. But let me ask you guys this. No, I shouldn't ask you this. Well, no, go ahead. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do you brought it up. Go ahead. Um, Nick Foles gets released by the Chicago Bears. What the, what's the chances that he uh, ends don't, up in? Don't do green? it. Don't do it. I, I, I mean, that's why I said I didn't want that, but I'm, I, 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 I got to go. I'll, I'll give you one. I don't. I don't. I think it's time to move on. But I, if Minshew's traded, well, that's what I mean. I mean, does that does that is that a? Do you think that's a um, a possibility? Here, here's the issue I would have with that, and I don't. I really don't think. Jalen Hurts would sweat this. I really don't. I don't, I don't think there's any comparison to, to Carson Wentz where he's like a looking over his shoulder guy. The problem wouldn't be with him. The problem would be with the fans because every time he throws an incompletion interception yeah. or, or yeah. you know has like a mediocre to bad game or whatever, people are still forever indebted and, and are going to love, and, and rightfully so, Nick Foles. That's where it's, the cat calls you know, start. But that's – I don't think it's – honestly, I don't think it would affect Jalen Hurts, but I just don't know if it's the best – idea for your team you know how we always talk about players how they will fit some system but they won't fit another system 
Frank Reich made Nick Foles a lot of money for being a one-hit wonder. If you look at Nick Foles' career after he left Philadelphia, he got big money to go to Jacksonville. That didn't pan out. He got hurt, came back, and couldn't hold his starting job there. Then he goes to Chicago, can't hold his starting job there. You know, he went there. Everybody thought Nick Foles, Nick Foles was going to be the man. So based on on his history after Philadelphia, I don't even think he would fit Nick Sirianni's offensive system, to right. be honest with you. You know, you look at the way Sirianni likes to run his offense, quarterback on the move. Nick Foles is not the most mobile quarterback out there. You know, he's done two stints here in Philadelphia. You know what? I love Nick Foles to death. He's a great guy in the locker room, great guy in the community and off the field. I would not bring Nick Foles back here. We all know, as, as Rob, you were just talking about, Jalen Hurts has enough pressure on him right now. You don't need him looking over his shoulder and his organization having to endure questions about when you're going to put in Nick Foles if Jalen Hurts goes south. Yeah, I, I'm. I, he, Nick's got one of the strangest careers <laughs> right. I can remember in sports. Unbelievable. Because when he plays here, for whatever reason, he plays extremely well. And look, I mean, the guy went toe to toe with Tom Brady and, and and took him down. I mean, there's nothing more unbelievable than that. But you look at Saint, his stints in St. Louis, Chicago, Jacksonville, as you stated, Gunner. I, I mean, they weren't just mediocre; they were right. awful. Right. And, right. Bad play. He gets hurt. Yep. It, it appears this is the only place that he can play decently. And to his right. credit, right. God bless him. He made seventy-eight yeah. million dollars yeah, in did. the NFL. Yes, he uh, did. But, man, does it not work Damn. anywhere else. Yeah, he's made that much back. Not like he needed the money, considering his family owns all those restaurants down in Texas. So it's not yeah. like he need, Not like he really needed the money. This yeah. is pocket change for him. But it is crazy, though. Like yeah. I, I, And I don't know what's out there for him. You know, I, if you're Carolina, do you bring him in and, and let Corral learn and blow Darnold out of there? Or do you trade for Baker Mayfield? It, it, the, some of these guys are in really weird spots. You know, Mayfield's a lot younger than Foles. Foles is at the end, but you know how it how it plays out there. Cleveland can't possibly have Mayfield around in camp, can they? No, he don't want to be in camp. No, he's no. made it very clear, yeah. and they've made it clear we're trying to move you, dude. Like right. they don't bad, want him. That's they'll, a bad setup. They'll take a, 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 a bag of popcorn and some cracker jacks for him. Well, they know? they <laughs> want whatever team trades for him wants Cleveland to eat most of that deal. That's the there's the rub. That's not going to happen. That, yeah, that's no. not going to happen. Cleveland, Cleveland's in a very unenviable situation because you just gave a quarterback $230 million. We still don't know how many games he could be suspended Guaranteed. for. Guaranteed yes. money. We know he's going to be suspended. Now, if you jettison Mayfield, because they're going to have to get to a point, are we going to keep him and keep the distraction here, or are we just going to cut our losses? We can't get anything for him. Just cut our losses. So if, 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 um, if Deshaun Watson is suspended – Baker Mayfield is gone. What do you do when you have a team that went to the playoffs? Mm. What are you going to do for the quarterback situation? Let me look at their quarterbacks now. Case Keenum, I think, was the guy that, that was oh, there gee. last year. Uh, well, I know. I, I'm not telling uh, you that's the answer. No, he did. He did a fantastic. You said, oh, no, he did a fantastic yeah. job. It, it, but, God, um, if you look at him in terms of backups in the league, yeah. he's a pretty good backup. I, yeah, backup. I, I'm not, oh, they got I'm not Jacoby, counting. They got Jacoby Brissett, okay. Joshua Dobbs, okay. and Baker Mayfield. That's okay. not, I mean, that's not a bad serviceable. Setup. Yeah, yeah, serviceable. Okay, Jacoby Brissett, you never know what he's going to be week to week. He plays like he's ready to be a frontliner one week. Next week, he plays like he should be on the practice squad. Right. Okay, so see, their quarterback situation is very, very much in flux right now because of the Deshaun Watson. I still can't believe, number one, they got him, and number two, right. paid him that kind of money. 
paying him that kind of guaranteed money. And the way they structured it, where if they if the first year is the year with the suspensions, you know, he's like he's oh like he takes no, barely any hit. You know, it's crazy. A million dollars. That. Yeah, a million dollars. Is it going to be a two game suspension? Four? Is it going to be an eight game suspension reduced to four games? Yeah. We don't know. The NFL is still sitting on this as they continue to po- compile more information about the allegations out there against Deshaun Watson. I can't Bruh. imagine it's not at least four in some way, shape, or form. I can't. I you know. What do you mean? They should have yeah. known, man. Coming. I mean, yeah. Why is it taking them this long to get to the to, to this point? They they know they've had all this stuff back a year ago. This should have been the decision should have been there. It should have been there. Yeah, but because some file cases bear it and all of a sudden they 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 take the cases off the board tells you they've settled out of court. See what I'm saying? Yeah. They they've they've they pushed this under the rug. Now there's still many more out there against them. So I think the NFL is still compiling more information in terms of what is and what isn't real. And, you know, I think the NFL is trying to be as fair as they can possibly be about this situation. But also, it's a delicate situation when you're talking about sexual assault. You know, so they have to make sure whatever they do. The NFL has had so many black eyes in the last two decades. Mm-hmm. Right. They, can't, they can't afford another black eye on many topics. You know, you look at what happened with the Ray Rice situation, Colin Kaepernick, so on and so forth. You know, um, they have to make sure they get this one right. Yeah. No, listen, I, I agree. And there, there's a lot of these little, you know, storylines throughout the league. And it, I, I want to ask you guys, I want to swing it back to what we were talking about with the Eagles with, with Carson Strong, who the, uh, the unrestricted free agent they signed out of Nevada. They also signed the kid out of the, the Ivy league, the Perry kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They bring in two guys and that might just be, Hey, let's see what we got with these two guys. And one of them, may, maybe one of them sticks on the practice squad. Who knows? Right. He's pretty good though. Yeah. No, both you know, have their own strengths. That's for sure. But um, do you think Minshew is here as the backup or do you think it's, you know, he could end up getting moved potentially? Mm, I, I think, I think he's going to be here. He's not on a, he's not on a contract that's, that's killing them financially. You know, Gardner Minshew um, has proven that he can play at this level. Um, and I think in terms of if this Eagles team gets off to a great start and somehow Jalen Hurts got hurt early, you know, you have a guy like Minshew, again, a guy who's two years into Nick Sirianni's offense, who knows that offense. Uh, when you talk about these other two kids, I think one of them will be in the practice squad, you know, plain and simple. Don't know which one. I would imagine it would be strong considering the money they gave him. You know, I would yeah. imagine strong. They're going to do everything possible to keep strong. So uh, Yeah, I think he's um, here th- in some capacity, Derek. I yes, agree yes. So I think he's going to be in a practice squad learning this offense until they get him up to speed. And also with with the hope that they have a diamond in a rough as they look further down the road. All right. I want to swing it back to the Sixers in a second. But Phillies last night go down to the Mets 10 to 6. Again, they hit four home runs, but they still end up losing to Max Scherzer, who they, they you know, they to, did a decent amount of damage considering who it is. Guys, they've lost five of their seven series this year. You know, and it felt like maybe after the sweep of the Rockies, they were getting a little momentum. Uh, they went in New York. They get no hit, collective no hit on Friday. They bounce back Saturday, but then they lose again. Last night, they're off tonight, yep. and then they, they come back home. A, a shorty against the Rangers. They play two games, and then it's the uh, the Mets again. But what do we make of this of this group so far? They're, they're, they're one game, what, one under 500, 11 and 12 on the season. Well, I can't get a, I can't get an accurate um, beat on them because – I watch him one day, and the pitching is horrible. Then I watch him the next day, then uh, you know the the bats warm up, and then I watch him the next game, 
Um, their pitching is outstanding, and they go with a no hitter, and then watch. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's so up it's and frustrating down. Frustrating there, you and know? none of them. No, I don't see all of them come together I, for that one series against Colorado. They came in and they were all together. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come back again, and this aspect is the meeting with this aspect. I mean, I understand that happens at times, but right. I can't still get it's too young in the season for me to get an accurate uh, analysis on where they are. Yeah, Derek, here's the thing. If you just look at their where they rank in, in some offensive categories, you'd say, oh, this is this is a pretty good offensive team. But mm-hmm. it's it's all or nothing. It's like either the Rocky series where they're just racking up seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten runs, or you're getting no hit. On a Friday night, or you, you know, you're putting up a one spot or a two spot. I want pretty good pitcher, though. No, right. <laughs> I no agree, Barrett. But but their their offense is is all over the place. There, there's you know there's very little. Consi- I think excluding last night where Eflin wasn't really good, their pitching's been pretty consistent to to you know to their credit. But the offense is just all over, man. Well, two things. First of all, I know Phillies fans don't want to hear this, but bottom line. Uh, the Phillies are not of the Mets caliber at nope. this stage of the year. There's no question about that. The Mets have won seven straight series. The yeah, Mets are the really season. good. And the Mets have what the Phillies don't have, consistency in the pitching. The Mets have something the Phillies don't have, a legit closer. That Edwin Diaz throws some of the nastiest stuff I've seen. <laughs> this kid this kid is 6'3", a buck 65, 165 pounds soaking wet. His breaking pitches are filthy. Yeah. You know, and he throws 95, 96 consistently, mm-hmm. and he's right around the plate consistently. And that's huge in close games. You know, and th- I think the, the Phillies, when you look at them on paper, have a better offensive lineup than the Mets, but the Mets have been hitting the ball a lot better. You know, and I and I think that the Phillies' Achilles heel has been the pitching. You know, you mentioned Aaron Nola has been pretty good. You know, we were just last week, you know, applauding Aaron for the, for the outing he came off of. Then against the Mets – uh, on Friday night, you know, he, he's lucky to get through six innings, gave up seven, 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 what, seven hits and three, and runs. three yeah. earned runs. He had nine mm-hmm. strikeouts, but that's not the Aaron Nola that we saw just over a week ago. Yeah. We need more consistency, you know, out of the pitching. You know, Wheeler, you know, he picks a great game, one game, and all of a sudden, you know, it's inconsistent again. We say his velocity's up, his placement's up, then all of a sudden he's off again. The, 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 the Phillies have not put every phase of their game together yet. Hopefully it comes together soon, but I, because I do think they have the talent to be right there neck and neck with the Mets. But as we sit here in the early stages of the new month, plain and simple, the Phillies are not of the caliber of the Mets. The Mets right now are 4-2 and two against the Phillies this year. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, coming up Thursday, they have another four-game series, series against the Mets here at Citizens Bank Park. Right. They will play before the month of May is over. They will play the Mets thirteen times. Crazy already. See, I don't like that. I don't either because then you I don't see that. them forever. You're exactly. Not see yeah, I, I don't. I'm with you. I, I don't like that. All right, let me give you this real quick, and then we'll move on to the Sixers here for, for the game tonight. But and you talked about the pitching. I'll give you the offense for a minute. You got Harper hitting two fifty three. You have, or excuse me, you you have Harper hitting yeah two fifty three. I don't know what that was. What was that? Yeah, it was my phone, man. Barrett, it's Barrett, an interesting Barrett's, ring. Right. Bear's about to head to the back room at the lounge. Yeah, man. <laughs> Campaign room. All right. So um, yeah, I'll bail him out. You got Hoskins hitting 200. Yeah. You got yeah. uh, Real Muto 256. Schwarber, although to his credit, he's hitting a lot of bombs. Yeah, he's hitting two, two games. Yeah, he's hitting oh, 200. Get, Segura's yeah. 268. I mean, Virtually across the board, uh, the, all the guys you were counting on to be your big boys, 
are at least from an average standpoint yep. nowhere near where they need to be and that's yep. that's hurting them man they're not getting on base nearly enough that's for sure all right let's turn it to the sixers because we do have a game one tonight a lot of the luster's been taken out of this thing air out of the balloon because Embiid's not playing um they go into this thing in miami's without lowry for what it's worth at that at their place they were i think they were like two and a half point underdogs now there's eight and a half point underdogs uh. And with Embiid, so, they were two and a half. Without them, eight and a half. Big yeah. jump, big mm. jump. So, and, yeah, no, the expectations certainly from Vegas aren't there for the Sixers to be able to win this game. What, where, where do you guys stand on it, Derek? Um, I think it's going to be tough. I'm hoping they catch the the Heat napping tonight and somehow find a way to pull this this game off. But you know, Eric Spolster is an excellent coach. You know, and he he's got that Miami team hopping right now. Miami's not a, an electric team when it comes to shooting, although they were the best three point shooting team in the NBA in the regular season. But the, you know, their their claim to fame is number one swarming and getting out in transition. You know, Jimmy Butler slowed down just a little bit, but still, Jimmy Butler's playing thirty seven minutes a game. So obviously, you know, whatever they're doing to get him ready for games, it, it has worked for them. I don't think I don't know if the 76ers can stay with this team, you know, without Joel Embiid. I'm hoping they can steal at least one of these two games. I hate to see them come down 0-2 um, and Miami comes rolling in here. And keep your fingers crossed. You're hoping that Embiid can be back for games three and four. But when you're talking about an orbital bone, orbital bone, orbital bone fracture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some players are just well playing with those masks on. Some don't. Some just do not like the way it feels when they breathe with those things on and how it makes your face perspire when they play with those things on. Um, so I don't know how Joel's going to handle that. But as far as tonight goes, unfortunately, I think Miami's popping right now. They, I think they feel, even without Lowry, that they have the 76ers right where they want them. And I expect it to be a good game, but I expect Miami to come out in the end. How about you, B? Um, I mean, that's that's the only thing I could say is what, what Derek said. I mean, they could sneak up on this team and, you know, catch them tripping, you know, like they're not really worried about it because the bead's gone. I, I, see they, I think they got a fair opportunity. But I just need – I see guys that aren't – doing or, or or playing up to the capability I've seen him play. You know, I, I need – at first I just needed great games out of Harding, um, Maxie, and Harris. Now you're looking down, you know, even farther down the bench, you got to go with, you know, Shake Milton, yeah. Niang, you know, and, and yeah. those yeah. aren't names that I can say consistently. I mean, what happened – what the hell happened to Korkmaz? Korkmaz used to be a very consistent player that played well for us last year, especially during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't see it from him anywhere. I mean, I guess he just took the back seat and, and is and is not willing to play up to what he played with last year. I'm always trying to make myself as, as good a player as I could when I was playing, you know, and I don't see them necessarily doing that. So, you know, Doc's got to go back down the, the you know, the – you know, the, the bench, you know, and, and start, you know, opening up the bench a little bit. And, you know, we all know what happens when that happens. Yeah. You know, and that, that's where I'm at guys I, of all the, even before the Embiid injury of all the teams in the playoffs, I think the Sixers had the least amount of depth. Like th- there is very little other than the Yang mm-hmm. that you feel good about coming off that bench. And you're already asking him to do a ton. Now you knock your best player out of there and, and somebody else has got to move up. Mm-hmm. You're going to be asking a ton of minutes from your starters and then, who is it? Maybe it's Shake. I I wouldn't expect Cork Moss, but someone's got to have to help off that. I bench. like Shake. Shake is my guy. Yeah, Shake's like a possibility, Shake. you know for sure. And the other the other thing is, man, if he does start B ball, Paul, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. 
Yep. He gets in foul mm-hmm. trouble. All of a sudden, you're counting on DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap hasn't seen the floor. And I don't, when was the last time he played meaningful minutes? So mm-hmm. that, that is a major problem here. And Adebayo is a, is a legit, really good big. We had Derek Bodner on a little bit earlier who said essentially they run everything through him. That's how good he's gotten uh, in terms mm-hmm. of decision making and what they do. I, I, I do sense this. I think the Sixers are in this game. They might, it might eventually like the dam breaks in the fourth and then, you know, it, it'll be like a 10 point game and you think, oh, the Sixers got run out of it. No, I think they hang with them tonight, but I think it's a big ask without Joel Embiid against this team. I thought it was going to be a tough spot for them, even with Embiid. Right, right. Uh, there's no question about it. You know, Miami was the favorite in this series. Miami is the number one seed in the East for a reason. When you look at the way they played, they're very good on defense. You know, uh, they're, they're a tenacious team. Their their bench is deep. Anytime you have eight players that are playing a minimum of a 28 minutes a game, that tells you how much the coach trusts his rotation and can mix and match, and the productivity doesn't wane. You look at a lot of teams, you take certain players out of a game, and all of a sudden the productivity on both ends of the court wanes just a little bit. Not with this Miami team, you know, yeah. and they're not they're not a big team. You know, when, you know, Autobahn is their biggest player, what, 6'9"? They're not big. They're not a big team. The 76ers are a bigger team than them. The 76ers are going to have to use that muscle on them. Crash the boards. You know, don't give Miami those second shots. Miami lives for those second and third shots. You're going to have to find a way to take those away from Miami. If they can do all of those things, and that's a lot to ask, especially without Joel Embiid there, you know, um, the 76ers got a great chance of stealing a game down in Miami. But because of the way Miami's been playing, and when I go back to that series uh, against Atlanta, they took Trey Young out of three of those five games. They mm-hmm. held Trey Young to 11 points or fewer in three of those five games. They took Atlanta's offense, which is a perimeter team, out of their offensive game plan for five games. Yeah. And the 76ers, to me, are not a better shooting team than Atlanta. No doubt. So what are, what are the 76ers going to do against this Miami team. And yes, Miami's hurting a little bit. You know, they're hurting, you know, Butler's hurting a little bit. Kyle Lowry's out. Those are big losses. But no loss in this series is bigger than Joel Embiid being lost to the 76ers for the first Absolutely. Well said, well said. All right, that's going to do it. Let's put a bow on this bad boy today. We are back tomorrow at the same time at noon, every day, 12 to 3. Tell your friends we appreciate everybody, all of our friends. uh, What are you laughing at? John Dickerson said Barrett hurt his orbital bone at Delilah's. Not right. <laughs> Not right. Not right, but so right, John. Good work out of you. All right. We love all our all our folks on the comments. Keep it rolling. Uh, keep checking in from oh, all over man. the world. And uh, we want to thank Xander Krause doing a great job producing the program. We're back tomorrow at noon. Dion, Barrett oh, Brooks, I am Rob Ellis. This is what you get, man. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube no- oh, Network, States, Sills.
stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on can Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Lincoln Financial Field is home to more than just our hometown team. It's a landing place for dreams. Invest in the future of our students from all over Philadelphia and get an exclusive tour of the stadium at the Blocks Aspire to Dreams Gala hosted by Brian Taff of 6ABC. While we aspire to build, our students aspire to dream. Join us for the Blocks Gala on Thursday, May 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Seats are limited, so reserve yours today at blocks.org slash gala. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.